The Bartender Ramp Podcast is powered by CIC Powerbox, your all-in-one portable power solution for commercial and residential projects, roadside assistance, or personal recreation. Call us at 802-468-7697 or visit CICPowerbox.com. CIC Powerbox, wherever you go, go with power. Welcome to the Bartender Rant Podcast. I am your host, Steve Haley. And can you believe it? Two episodes recorded in two days. Not that you would know that. I mean, we didn't release them back to back. But I just recorded one yesterday. I'm high off that energy, off that experience. John from the Bartenders. My God, man. You know, I think it was when the Gimp opened up his suitcase full of dildos that I said this. We have a good episode on our hands here, people. Um, So I'm very excited to record again. I'm not sure if that's the proper motivation but we're gonna we're gonna care let it carry us through uh you know like wind under eagle's wings uh right here joined by me today all the way from southeastern kansas but with a maryland flag behind his head is my beautiful and lovely co-host michael windsor how are you today my friend Steven, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. I think I just said Ferrand. You look look much happier than you did the last time I saw you. I'm not. I just, I'm not. I just took a nap, you know, and so (laughs) I I have some, I have at least uh, some modicum of rest in me right now. But uh, it's always wonderful to see you. And I got to say, that backdrop, those those red, yellow, and black checkered and and uh, crossed colors behind you. They always put a smile on my face, but they're a beautiful backdrop for you. Really, your eyes pop. Yeah, with the red and yellow. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, maybe you had a, a former calling as a McDonald's employee, but I'm not sure. Um, anyway, I'm very excited to do this today, to keep this bartender train rolling. We have another wonderful guest from their show. Um, we have Scott Hopped. I think I'm saying that right, but I'm sure he's going to correct me here in a minute. Um Joining us tonight, he's going to tell us a little bit about his service industry experience and more about his character on the show, The Tale of the Telling, which is so, just so cool. I love that we're creating this whole new bar world um, separate from uh, just, just their bar experience. So I can't wait to share that with you guys. We are going to do a very quick intro here. We're going to get right into it. So again, I'm going to steal the what's new from you, Michael. I hope that's okay. When we spoke before the show, you know, I'm gonna let the guest behind the curtain. You were clearly upset. You that I was gonna do two what's news in a row. And you were like, no, that's my segment. It's my thing. <laughs> you're a son of a bitch. You know, you're always trying to tread on me. You know, and, and the truth comes out. Yeah, but um, you didn't have anything interesting to say today, which was um, uh, why I'm gonna take the reins. Um. I feel very uh, scatterbrained and rambly right now, but as I said, I'm going to keep it sweet. Look, the Baltimore Orioles have quietly won eight straight baseball games. That might not mean anything to you, Michael, because you don't care about sports ball, but the Baltimore Orioles have not won eight straight baseball games since 2005, okay? I was 15 years old the last time they won this many games in a row. They are a bunch of ragamuffin scrubs, all from other teams, cast-offs from around the league, a few young bucks coming up. The fact of the matter is, this is just a beautiful team of underdogs that the whole city is rallying behind. 
I went to the game Sunday afternoon with my lady, and I got to tell you, I have never seen so much camaraderie out of Baltimore citizens since long, long before the pandemic, and I haven't seen it in uh, Camden Yards in, in a long time before that. People were high-fiving, dancing. We had another come from behind victory on the Angels. We broke the brooms out and swept them. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to take this <laughs> moment to be joyful about the Baltimore Orioles because it will all come crashing down. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know where this team goes, probably not to the playoffs, but it's been a ton of fun these last couple weeks. We're the winningest team in baseball. We're hot, baby. And Orioles magic is in the air again. That's great. Well, good for Baltimore. You know, I got to say, you know, even though I don't care that much about sports, I always prefer that the team that is associated with my geographical region at that time is winning. You know, I lived in Baltimore when the Ravens won. I lived in uh, Kansas when, I mean, you know, Missouri, but the Kansas City Chiefs won. I even lived in Denver when the Broncos won. So suck on that. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And I'll tell you, (laughs) of all of those crazy times, because you and I were working together at the diner when the Ravens uh, won their last one, and it was pandemonium. I mean, No, no, you're thinking about that wrong, but we don't have to get into it. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Yeah. No, you're not. Uh, I think we've actually had this discussion before. Regardless, regardless, we're not going down this rabbit hole. (laughs) The point is, there were riots in the streets. Everybody had a wonderful time. Everybody got laid. It was just a big party. But I promise you, the party that's going to happen if the Baltimore Orioles return to their former glory um, of the best team in baseball pretty much from 1965 to 1985. If we return to our former glory one day and win the ship, it's going to go berserk in this town. This is an Orioles town through and through to its core. So just wanted to give a shout-out to the boys. Ryan McKenna, Ryan Mountcastle, Adley Rashman, Joey Crable, Austin Hayes, Sed Mullins. Oh, man, they're so beautiful. Dean Kramer. I could go all day. I love this team. I love this team. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up now. I'm going to stop fanboying. get boy. it out of your system? Yeah, I'm done. Out of your I'm done. I might, <laughs> I might scream go-o's at some point in the middle of this episode. But, no, I got it out of my right. system. Um, okay, without further ado, like we said, we are cutting this intro down. Guys, we love you. You have supported this show. You are the reason that this show – uh, runs. You are our fuel. What keeps us motivated to continue to do this. But without you, we're nothing. We need you to support us. Um, please, please, you know, uh, give us those ratings. Give, give us those reviews. Follow us on social media. And if you really want to learn how to support the show, listen in to the end. Our outro has all of the information of how you can go above and beyond to support the show. Or if you just want to get to know Mike and I more, how you can get more involved with other things like the BRP Jukebox. Some of the playlists, the industry night uh, happy hour. Did I say that right finally, Michael? Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Um, and, and as always, guys, before we get into the episode, we want you to have fun. But we want you to remember, if you're struggling, please reach out to us. You know, send us an email. We're happy to listen. We're happy to try to help if you're uh, struggling with mental health or substance abuse. You know, this is a crazy business, and it can uh, really weigh on a lot of people. So we want to be there for you. We're not professionals, so... We do put some resources at the end of the show for you, um, some professional uh, resources for alcohol and substance abuse. Please seek those out um, if you need help because we want you to stay happy, healthy, and we want you to be here so we can keep doing this crazy show and having fun. Um, on that note, I will not waste any more of our wonderful guest's time. He has been patient. He has been dealing with plenty of recording issue, which we know a lot about, and he uh, has 
you know, powered through it with a smile. So that is a great testament to his character. We're going to get to know him a little bit more here. We now are going to introduce you to Scott with the Classy Penguin. All right, guys, we have Scott hopped from the Bartender podcast. Uh, am I saying your last name right, Scott? I don't want to, like, butcher it 17 more times before we get too further. Oh, no, you're completely fine. Um, it's not correct, but that's okay. okay. I'm certainly <laughs> used to it by now. Uh, so the best way I can describe saying my name, it's saying how with a PT at the end. It's haupt. How? Okay. Haupt. Yeah. Okay. So right, fun I fact, uh, it's actually a very common name in German. It means main. Like like main. the like the main of a lion is that what we're talking Close. about? Close, more like the main street or a main road uh, or a main pipe or anything of that. Swing and a miss, one more and I'd be out. <laughs> which is something the Orioles it's, it's haven't gotten a lot of swing, right? <laughs> that's right. Um, that's cool. Is was I the worst? Like, what is the worst people do butcher it? I think you're probably up there. It's not like okay. it's, never, it's never truly horrific, nice. but it's never never right. You know? <laughs> okay. All right, well, we'll just stick with Scott for today. So happy to have you on, man. Thank you for joining the show. Thanks for the invite. It's an honor to be on. Super excited. I'm following John, which is not uh, somebody you want to follow. I'm sure he's had way crazier stories than me. He's been in, been in this industry a little bit longer. You, may be, longer. you may be following <laughs> John, but guess what? John was not on top of his audio. And so now we got a few extra things that we got to do to clean it. Now, we love John. Shut we love up, John. Steve. Steve now, doesn't have now, to do a goddamn listen, thing. Hey, listen, I'm transparent, baby. So, Scott, you have headphones on. You got you got, you got got your uh, <laughs> your audacity recording. Yeah. Uh, listen, John was outstanding, but you're already – look, if, if this was a grade school class and Mike and I were the teachers, man, you're already on our good side right here. This is – you put don't the, speak for me. You see how the the host of the show is given the the previous guest shit. You, no, you like I'm not that? giving him shit. I'm just saying <laughs> one student brought an apple in the class and his binder and is ready to ready to go. And the other one was like, "Hey, I'm kind of ready to go." And then and then you know we we're gonna have to do some salvaging of the audio, but it's a bit it's gonna be all good. We're so excited to have you guys on, and I think it's gonna be cool to have the different perspectives. Like we had John, and he told us a little bit about bartenders and some of your guys. Uh, um, you know, experience together in the real bar world, and I think it's gonna be cool to follow that up with a different perspective from from mm -hmm. somebody that that also knows him. So, and um, a, a fresher perspective yeah. because you haven't been in the industry as long. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. So I like to think of the sliding scale of bartenders. Dale has, I don't want to say the lowest, but has like the least behind the bar experience. I'm that nice middle ground, and John and Brandon are that top tier, cream of the crop. Yeah, they, they kind of actually taught me everything I know. They were my mentors at our bar when we worked all together. So That's I don't know what I'm going to illuminate on bartending, but I can certainly give my uh, my two cents, right? Well, you took a stab at it. Too. Sorry, go on. Steve. No, I was just saying you took a stab at a great cocktail today. So, I mean, I'm 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 really excited. I'm really excited to get into it. So Oh, that has um, a specific story, we'll say. Okay, good, good. Well, that's uh, that's a fantastic update. Well, why don't you tell the people what you've brought for them today, and we'll talk a little bit about how to assemble it and, and some of the background of the parts, and we'll get into the history of it. Yeah, yeah. So the the bar that John, Brandon, and I all worked at together uh, was called Oddbirds. Well, we worked at multiple bars together, but Oddbirds was the first one and the main one. And their first thing on their cocktail menu was bartender's choice. 
and it was advertised as have a unique, creative, one-of-a-kind signature cocktail from our world-class bartenders. And so that, uh, <laughs> that really put me under the fire. And it really taught me how to BS, for better lack of a terms, you know, just making shit up, making shit up. And so I got put on a lot of brunch shifts. Brunch was real, like, mm. 70-30 in St. Augustine. So 30% probably going to be super packed, 70% probably not. So I had a lot of people come up to me and say, hey, I want a nice brunch cocktail, but I don't like Bloody Marys, and I like coffee. So I made this drink called the Classy Penguin. And it's not just called the Classy Penguin because that's a what I like. I mean, it is my favorite animal, but uh, <laughs> most of the drinks on the menu were bar or bird themed because it was on mm. birds, okay. right? Yeah, of course. So gotcha. I was like, okay, I like penguins. Let's do it. And for the aesthetic reasons, it kind of looks like a penguin when you make this drink because it has heavy cream and it has coffee liqueur. So it has that black and white effect and layering yeah, and actually, two-tone. you know, bleeds in. So we have some Borghetti, which is a really nice espresso liqueur. We have some Rittenhouse rye, but you can do a lot of different uh, steps with this. So I personally prefer it with rye, but a lot of people didn't like whiskey. So uh, you can do it with vodka, easy. You know, I would, uh, yeah, same thing. Just sub out that vodka for rye. And I would just stir that in a mixing glass. And then in my shaker, I get heavy cream, about an ounce. And add a little bit of sugar just to help it whip. And I'm not getting it like like whipped cream status, shaking like the shit out of it. But I'm just getting enough to get it thick and like laying it on top. So I'm going to be stirring. And it's all about that pizzazz, right? I'm stirring with one hand, shaking with the other, making world, it work. World class, know? yeah. Exactly. It's all about <laughs> the pizzazz. That's what, I, that's what I, uh, I like to think I did well at, was entertaining, if not... If I didn't have the knowledge of the thing, I'm gosh darn it, going to make you smile and maybe give me a there tip. You <laughs> That's so that classic. Working. Yeah, exactly. That's that yeah. classic penguin pizzazz. You know, the way Ooh, they waddle. Yeah. I always smile. Well, that's my question. So so it, it was originally done with pie, uh, with uh, rye whiskey, right? Yeah. So that's classic penguin. So when they switch up the alcohols, like vodka, is that like the classy rock hopper? Or <laughs> do you have different names for it? Different species of penguins for the different variations of alcohol? I wish I did, but you know, if I ever make it again, it will now. Uh, we got, we, we'll have to come up with like uh, what the official bird of Russia is. Like, it might be the condor. You know, it could be like the classic condor. Um, no, because I mean, essentially, when I get it. Yeah, yeah, because it's like a white Russian. Yeah, because yeah, when you switch out, yeah, when you switch out the vodka, but it, you know, obviously, you're not bringing all the parts together with heavy cream. This is more of a whip, and it, it's not truly Kahlua. It's really espresso. So. And the Borghetti definitely has very interesting roots themselves that distinguish them from all these other coffee liqueurs. So I can't wait to get into that, too. But that's cool. So this was uh, – this w- sounds like this drink was thrust a little bit out of necessity and a little bit out of, oh, shit, I have to make a drink now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we got to figure just, something out. Yeah, that was just my career, honestly, at Oddbird. Just <laughs> people saying, hey, I see on the menu you have a, a world-class different drink from everyone. I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Baking it till we make it, right? Of course. The, the lie, lie, class lie. is yeah. the best. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. So, so how was it received when you first started making it? Oh, it's great. People loved it. People loved – so I learned pretty early on the camera always eats first, right? doesn't matter what you're making the person. But if you <laughs> give somebody that's aesthetically beautiful and pleasing, I don't care if it's the best drink, the worst drink that's in the cup, but they're going to take out their camera. They're going to take <laughs> wow. a picture. Right? I've never heard that before, but it's so true in this oh, age. Oh, really? That's that was a common phrase. Just for example, really? uh, oh yeah, we had this one drink on our menu that was served out of a Chinese to-go box. 
with pebble bites and chopsticks. And we have tahini on there. So you can eat the what? ice. Yeah. It was crazy. This is a drink. <laughs> so you could take, you could get this drink to go pretty easily then too. Well, technically no, but uh, yes. <laughs> that's that's a, that's interesting. I got to see a picture of that one in and of itself. That's interesting. Did you it, guys it was, put these on the menu? Were they displayed on there, or is this just for the customer to to uh, let their cameras eat? Oh no, it was not on the menu. Uh, but you know what happened is everyone would see these Chinese to-go box, and it was a Venezuelan restaurant, right? It was a bar and restaurant, and uh, people are like, "What is this Chinese to-go food?" I'm like, "Oh no, it's not a soft food. It's it's a drink. It's a cocktail. Like, no fucking yeah. way. I want what that guy's having, right?" <laughs> and well so done. it did its job. Same thing with our smoked old fashions. We had them in these like little mini treasure chests, right? And we had like a what is it, like. <laughs> 10 what inches by 8 inches. We get this blowtorch and smoked all up. It's the camera eats first that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It worked well, every the, time. Uh, the Odd Birds, that's the name of the place, right? Yeah. That that lends itself to those those interesting concoctions. That's pretty killer. Those, yeah. Uh, what was what was the name of the the Chinese takeout one? Oh god. It was it just like the number 7 or something <laughs> like that? No, it's got to no, be I, after a bird, right? Yeah, it was it was some bird. It had mezcal and this chili del arbol syrup we had gosh i could not tell you what it was called it's it's been a while that's i t- that's still interesting so let's let's turn our focus more to to this particular drink the classy penguin why don't you teach the people how how you like to make it you know give them the measurement of the parts as we all put it together here and raise a glass oh yeah so i'm i am actually let me get that written down i know i sent it to you guys but i can't remember on top of my head I always have my little – I don't know about you guys, but I always have a little cheat sheet behind the bar. Well, and, and if it's your drink, you know, I, I assume a lot of times you make it with feel. You know, it just it, – it comes to you because that's that's how, you, you know, you – you're like, oh, it needs a little bit more liqueur today or, or something like that or a little extra shave of nutmeg. So um, – but, yeah, I, the parts the parts are very um, – are very simple and pure, and I love that about any cocktail. I I – I understand that some drinks you really need to take the extra effort to to get all these different complex parts and bring them together, but I'm always going to be a simpler the better kind of guy in in the restaurant world, whether it's food or drink. And so I think you you know you've really done a good job about keeping it keep it simple, stupid here. So yeah. um, take people through the ingredients first, and then we'll talk about some of the measurements. So we got one and a half rye, rye house rye, like I mentioned before. I just like Rittenhouse. Brandon actually uh, turned that on to me because it's 100 proof, bottled and bond. It's a great well of yeah. rye. It's only 30 bucks where, well, we, where we can get it. It's only 30 bucks. So it's cheap. It's good for any kind of those classic cocktails that need that rye. Yeah. I got one and a half ounces of that. I just got, uh, what is it, uh, 0.75 ounces of the Borghetti. Then, like I said, we're just mixing that. We don't need to shake it because there's no, uh, no juices, nothing that needs to emulsify. We're just stirring that in the mixing glass. Or just you can honestly build it in the glass at home. Doesn't really matter. Like I was saying, that was a, the pizzazz, the showmanship at the bar. And then we're just lightly whipping that that heavy cream and using about an ounce. And I just do about a skosh of simple just to help it, uh, you know, whip. And like I said, we're not going crazy or anything like that. Just enough to get it uh, a different texture. And I like putting it on a large rock in a double fashion glass, right? Because I don't want to get too diluted. And I'm going to put it first. The, the bourbon, sorry, bourbon, the rye and the brigetti, and then I'm going to put the heavy cream on top, 
So you get that layered effect and it kind of changes as the drink goes on, which I really like too. And it gets that kind of penguin aesthetic because you got the white and the black and it's bleeding in like you talked about before. Yeah. Just really uh, finish that. You know, people love, like we said, the pizzazz, the showmanship. Get that nutmeg grated on top. Yeah, it's beautiful. allowed to open up, open up in the nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I bet the other thing is, is if you overshake that cream, it's going to just sit on top yep. and it just looks, it's going to look like a, a, a very sad piece of whipped cream, never yeah. really falling into the drink. So that's, that's one where if you're making it home, definitely don't overshake that. You're going to, you're going to be okay with almost, almost like a foam, <laughs> almost closer to, am I right? Closer to cream than whip. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. If you could have access to a cold foam, yeah, do that. But it's yeah. not what I had. Well, awesome. Let's mix those up. Yeah, I saw this when he sent me this. I was like, this motherfucker's going to make me whipped cream tonight at my house. No, no, no. It's just a little oxidation. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. all you really need. Just enough so it's not pure heavy cream out of a yeah. carton, right? Yep. Are, you, are we all, are we all good. set? Oh, yeah. Ready to go. All right, let's put a glass in the all air. Right, cheers. Hey, guys, if you're drinking at home, don't just listen along. Drink along. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Mm, that's good. So when you when I saw Rittenhouse Rye was on the menu tonight, I got very <laughs> very happy. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge rye stan. I you know I think when I started drinking, I went head over heels into bourbon, and um, you know will always be a great lover of of all whiskeys and bourbons and single malts and it you know doesn't really matter what it is cognac, um, but I have uh, I have found my home with rye. I just there's something about how it works in a drink. There's something about how it drinks over ice, um, even in just like a simple, you know, highball like we did with uh, Richard on one of our episodes. I just love rye. Um, it's a little bit easier drinking if you're just sitting at home on a Tuesday night, Monday night, having a glass of whiskey. We have got to get you a bottle of Pikesville rye. So the three biggest uh, areas of um, – of Jewish Orthodox communities in the country outside of New York in the uh, Monmouth County area, outside of Philly in the Rittenhouse area, and outside of Baltimore in the Pikesville area. And all of those uh, communities are huge producers of rye, obviously, you know, a staple of, of the Jewish community. And that's where those rye whiskeys are really born out of because bourbon is American. Rye is through and through a, a not not truly American. That is brought from the old country. That is a Jewish recipe, many many years back. So the Rittenhouse Rye is out out of that Philly community. But Pikesville White Label is something that Mike and I fell in love with drinking when we first moved to Baltimore. They actually used to uh, produce it in plastic one liter bottles for like thirteen dollars. <laughs> And uh, then they realized the level of product they had on their hands, and they discontinued those and re-released it in these really nice, you know, like corked glass bottles. And now it's called their Pikesville White Label. And it's also 100 proof, and it's also a beautiful rye, and I think you're going to love it. It's a great comparison point to Rittenhouse. So we got to try to get you guys a bottle down there. I don't know if it's being distributed nationally right now, so maybe we can uh, – for for you guys being so great – to, to collaborate with us and hop on the show. We got we to gotta get you something, a little care package, either when we come down or, or maybe before. So 
something to keep in mind. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I do want to qualify really quick before we go on with the show. We were talking about not drinking last time, so I am making an exception for the podcast. So I do just want to clear that up. This is actually my first drink during this thing, except I did have a beer at my brother's wedding. So, You bastard. No, I'm just Only one? Clear that up. Yeah, I had a beer Yeah, with, with my brother for his you know celebration. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is absolutely delicious, Scott. Thank you for uh, introducing a wonderful new recipe. And I, I do love the idea of shaking the, the cream just to not overdo it because you go to any general bar and you get an Irish coffee or something like that. It's, you know, that, and then sometimes pouring the creme de menthe down the top and it's just <laughs> oh, it's a lot. But um, so quick history on this, on, on this drink. Obviously, guys, this is Scott's concoction. You know, and it's born out of odd birds, which I think is so cool. You gave us a little bit of background there. Um, but but whiskey and coffee, or just coffee and alcohol, have had a very storied past. So many amazing drinks, from the Tia Maria to London Fog, you know, to, um, you know, Jamaican coffee, Irish coffee, uh, whiskey Baraka, which is a similar drink to this. It's kind of like a whiskey Amaro drink. Um, they, they've had a storied, storied um, relationship together. Pretty much any time a human being wants to put depressants and uppers together, amazing things happen. So the idea <laughs> of coffee and alcohol uh, being put together is not a huge surprise. I tried to get us like some information about like the true origins of like coffee and whiskey. Definitely sent me down a bit of an like an Irish coffee hole. Um, I found out about this guy Joe Sheridan. Uh, who ran an, uh, a pub in Ireland. It was more of a kind of like a, a restaurant and inn called uh, Foyne's Flying Boat, which was an interesting name, Foyne's Flying Boat. And he, uh, you know, he was kind of, kind of credited with the original Irish coffee uh, recipe or at least making it popular. But the thing that's so different about this drink is it's served cold. And we're talking about a big, nice rocks glass, and we're talking about doing it in a whiskey cocktail. So... I, I didn't want to go too far down there, and I wanted to pivot and talk about Borghetti for a little bit because I found some of this really interesting. Um, Italy is known for their liqueurs. They have so many very distinct liqueurs that have been produced for 100-plus years, and Borghetti uh, has its own kind of fabled story and myth. So um, as the story goes, there was a gentleman named Ugo Borghetti, that's U-G-O, who was running a place called the Cafe Sport Bar. Um, and it was in, a, um, in this particular little town in Italy that was for the very first time getting a railroad stop. Industry, business is being thrust on this town. And this little cafe happens to be right on the main street where they're dropping the railway station. So all of the local townsmen, you know, they are part of the construction team. And Ugo is standing there at his cafe each day watching them build this railway station, and he's seeing them slave over this work and just being exhausted at the end of the day and dragging their asses home, um, you know, uh, to, to rest before the next day's work. And he gets this bright idea. You know what they need? A little alcoholic pick-me-up to keep them happy and to keep them <laughs> moving through the day. So he devised, what if I combined Italy's favorite drink, a little a shot of espresso with some alcohol. It'll keep them happy. They'll be feeling good. It, they can drink it on the go. It's not a full glass of wine or something else. So he really thought about how do I make like 
um, more than a shot, but basically like an alcoholic five hour energy. That was that was kind of his intention. And so he creates using fresh uh, uh, Arabica uh, espresso. He creates this wonderful liqueur. Um, it took him a bunch of different tries. He was using all different types of alcohol um, to try to create it and, and finally got the recipe down around 1860, um, about six months into them building the railway. So uh, this this liqueur is really um, can, coinciding with the birth of, of this town booming. And the railway stop is the Pescara and Kona railway line um, that runs right through the heart of, of Borghetti's hometown. So I just, I don't know, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, you know, he became a big hit, and, uh, and apparently his shop uh, quickly turned from a cafe to a, a local drinking hole um, uh, not too long after that. So I just thought that was an interesting story. Thank you, Ugo Borghetti, for this delicious, delicious liqueur. We'll raise a glass to you as well. That's truly Cheers. fascinating. I had no idea about that history. <laughs> Thank you for the enlightenment. Next time you make it, you can sprinkle nutmeg and a little bit of that on top as well. There you go. <laughs> world, world class. Well, I've been hogging the airtime. I want to talk a little bit more with you, Scott, because this is your rodeo and we're just the clowns. And we are excited to hear about your bar industry experience and get to know you a little bit more. So we always kick off the show with what we call our drinkton. Okay. It's like our service industry LinkedIn. So we want to know, uh, you know, how did you first ever get started in the business? What's the extent of your experience? Like, how have you moved up? What What are some of the different positions you've held? And then where are you now? You know, what are you doing? Are you still working? And, and where, you know, what's the name of your bar? Yeah, yeah. So my first ever real restaurant job, well, I was in high school, you know. I was, I want to say, a senior in high school. And I got this um, busing gig, right, as a busboy in this tablecloth nice restaurant uh, in St. Augustine. It's called Raintree. It's a really nice place. It was super cushy because not only did I have the bus, but we also had this service where if you were staying within like, I want to say five miles of the restaurant, we would pick you up and take you home for free. And guess who <laughs> drove that minivan? It was the busers, man. What? You got a shuttle bus to yeah. this restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And, is, was that to serve? Is that because a lot of the clientele in St. Augustine is elderly? Is that, that what? What's the what? Why would they do that? Yes, and I think it was a really good, really good way to get people in the door because downtown traffic—that's where this restaurant was in St. Augustine—is truly a plague. If it's in that, it's not even rush hour. If you're just downtown afternoon, it's awful. It's nearly, okay. and parking is just a, a real pain. So that was one way they got people in the restaurant, and it was awesome because guess what? Halfway, you get the people, but the other half, driving, you're by yourself. You could jam in tunes. You're still making tip out, and they tip you extra for driving and whatnot. That's and I have to report that at the end of the day. So that was a pretty pretty nice intro to you know the industry life, right? So, so when you did your first restaurant resume after that, did you put busboy and taxi? You know, <laughs> like after that? Um, I wish that would have been better. No, I think I put like um, what uh, concierge or something. I don't really know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got to class it up. This is yeah, a bar a chauffeur. You know what you're doing. Uh, I, I imagine some people took advantage of that and were like, "Oh, I can get shit house because I don't have to drive home." <laughs> yep. Yeah, I can tell you a lot of times I would just drive people to 
uh, a bar that was within the same radius. It's like, hey, I don't want to go home. You just drop me off here. I'm like, yeah, man, I don't care. Sure. <laughs> That's a great marketing tool. Yeah, because it not only does it convince them to get in the door, but Mike's right. They're probably going to drink more and eat more yeah. and, you know, and really revel in the good time. So I'm sure the morale in restaurant uh, with, with uh, customer to staff was probably pretty good, which is interesting. Yeah. And, um, and no, go ahead. Being, sorry. Oh, so no, it, it, the interesting thing, I want to say this was like really before Uber and Lyft was really big. It was, God, what was it? It was like in 2013, 2014, right? And if it was big, it wasn't big in St. Augustine yet. And not a lot of people did it. That was the surprising thing. It, you would think that would be a whole position by itself. But honestly, on the weekend, it'd only be two or three people at most. Really? Yeah, which was Shocking. wild because it literally completely free... It was advertised in the bed and breakfast, and not a lot Man, of people listen, took advantage of it. I would be wearing out your number. I'm telling you, I'm like, <laughs> I, I would already be hammered one sock on. Where the fuck is Scott? I'm hungry. <laughs> I would just, I'm telling you, I would be, I would be relentless with that. If I knew, if I knew where there were, there were good places here in Baltimore that I liked that would pick me up and take me to their bar and then take me to another bar, forget about it. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, Mike, we had a similar thing with the score strip club there for a while where you could they, uh, they would come and pick you up. Yeah. We didn't, we I don't think we ever took advantage of that. I Sydney certainly did. I probably shouldn't have said that. We're going to shake that out. We're going to shake that out. Uh, cut that, cut that, cut that. Yeah. Um, all right. So fixing anyway. post, fixing post. We'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, you start at Rain, Rain Tree, right? Yeah. And I love that name. But um, so you start there, and where does it kind of blossom? Then I go to, I go to college and I get my first real. I won't say real, but like first bar quote unquote experience. It was the most interesting job I think I'll ever have. Not because it was great or because it was bad. It was kind of both. It, I can't call it a club. I can't call it a bar. The best thing I can equate it to is you guys familiar with uh, the Blue Man Group? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You guys know Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Imagine those two things together. That's what this club slash show was it was called drip and drip. it was the wildest thing it was they didn't have any liquor so it was only beer and wine but they would make these weird cocktails with sake and all this other weird stuff very odd right it, and it was a show yeah this coming from a guy who served drinks in a in a <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. well this was before <laughs> this was i was i was fresh out of high school i was like 18 19 at the time my first college job. So we're talking like dinner, almost like dinner theater, because what you're oh, describing no. to me sounds like, no, no, I'm not saying dinner theater. I'm just saying <laughs> it was like there was a show going on, though. Like it was a structured show. It's yep. not like the servers were just dressed up like this. You know, it's yeah. like if you go to a comedy uh, like Joke House and there is literally a stage and a comedian and everybody's eating and drinking around it. It was like a formalized show, right? Yeah, exactly like that. You went for, you had to buy tickets, you know? It was an event that you drank at, right? So it was this show that had these colored sand, different colored sands, different colored paints. It was in this warehouse off of I Drive in Orlando. I went to UCF. Go Knights. Uh, charge on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it, I Drive is like that main drive. It has that giant ass, um, what is it, a Ferris wheel, the Orlando I. And it was right off there, and it was in the back of Senior Frogs. It was this warehouse-type thing. You had to know where you were going kind of deal. And okay. 
I did everything at that place. I was behind the bar. I was working door. I was working merch. I was doing everything there. I was doing lights, prep, everything. It was very interesting. Very interesting. The show was like this interpretive dance piece, uh, interpretive dance piece, and it was all these like colors, right? The people were colors, and they had their like gold paint or red paint or blue paint. It was like this weird love triangle dancing. It was pretty cool and. You could throw paint at them, and you'd get wet. You get you sandy. You could throw paint at so them. So there's a splash zone yeah. too. Yeah. So you got to cover your drinks. This yeah. Is, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm also getting a little bit of like Cirque du Soleil vibes, where they're like they're not quite human. They're like humanoid type of situation. Yeah. It's it's like Cirque du Soleil on a budget. That's a good way to think about it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because, value Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, what did what did you do there? Oh, I, everything. You name it. I, I was a bartender. I was everything but a dancer there. Even though I yeah, said I, I definitely you say would be. Yeah. That's Which color were you, Scott? At. Really? Yeah. The, dancer, yeah. The, the dancers were making good money? They were making good money, and they didn't have to clean up or do anything. They just came, they performed, and they fucking left. And so yeah, you I, can't have the talent getting down scrubbing floors and stuff. Uh, yeah, come on. How awful <laughs> was it cleaning up the drip? It was horrific. Because literally, <laughs> there was about... After the show was done, there was about uh, an inch worth of paint, wet paint on the fucking, on the ground. And they reuse the same sand every night because you take it all up, you divide it, and you let it dry overnight or over the next Mm. day with fans on it. It was crazy. That is insane. That's that, definitely that, a first for the show. I mean, yeah. Now listen, <laughs> one of the more interesting bars. We are two. We are two jobs in here, okay? And you have now had one job where you're a busser, but you drive a taxi, and then you've had a second <laughs> job where you're a bartender, but you also sort sand at the end of the night. And I'm I, I'm wondering when some normalcy is going to come into the story because you have a fantastic attitude just in general. I can already tell you that, like like tell that about you. But I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know if I would have put up with some of these things early on in the business. Like, it's well, an interesting place to work. But, like, the fifth night that I'm sorting sand, I'm like, God damn it, I'm a fucking bartender, man. <laughs> What's going on here? So, funny enough, I didn't last very long at Drip. I only lasted two months there because this, you could really tell my uh, my inexperience of how green I was. Because, you know, like I said, it was freshman year of college. Didn't know any better. They said, oh, we don't have an hourly rate. I'm like, oh okay so how do i get paid like so you're not a what is it you're not an hourly employee you're a independent contractor independent contractor i know all about that yep and (laughs) we pay in just tips and at the end of the month there's a monthly stipend of profits for the show i'm like okay cool that's awesome i remember this is when i knew i had to go it was after like the fourth or fifth weekend Because I would spend like fucking 12 hours there. Like an hour to get there, an hour to get home because of traffic, right? And I'd come home soaking wet in paint. So I'd have to like take a 30, 40 minute shower scrubbing the paint off me. It was... What was what were the uniforms like? Oh, there was no uniforms. Uh, (laughs) We had a a drip t-shirt that was white, but it would never stay white. And I went to like Goodwill or something and got like some shitty jeans and that's what I wore. You know, that was like my uniform but the night i knew i had to get out of there was i got paid 17 dollars for an 11 hour shift 
<laughs> Wait, those were your tips. Wait, you don't, you don't care about the tips? art, man? Come on. Yeah, that was my tip for the night. Out of my pool, I only got $17, and I worked Jesus an 11-hour shift. And I was like, I Covered can't do paint. this. It didn't it, it didn't pay my gas. Like, yeah. I was losing money and my weekends. It's like, I can't do this anymore. Hey, it at was least they made At least they made it easy. Okay, I'm good yeah. here. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, you I said, I, obviously you've graduated from, from this particular uh, – this particular colorful story. Um, where where have you gone since then? What are some of the other positions you've held? I've done a, I've had a lot of eclectic jobs, right? So I've been a veterinarian tech. I've been a beach lifeguard. I've run like summer camp. But the next service industry job in my resume is actually at Oddverge. That's oh, where nice. I met John Brandon. You know, fast forward a few years, odd jobs here and there. No pun intended. Yeah. I started. <laughs> I started out as a uh, busser, not a busser, um, barback. My bad. And it was fun. It was really good. I was also a lifeguard, so I was just. And this was right when restaurants could open again after quarantine, right? So it was fifty percent capacity, mask okay. mandated, all that crazy stuff, you know. And yeah, I started there, and I really, really liked cocktails. I loved the way. The, the guys made the craft cocktails, and I really like that, you know, I don't want to say the aesthetic of it, but the craft of it. It was really yeah. fascinating to me. And I started as a bar back in a, a bar prep, so I would have all these juicing shifts of like eight or nine hours. I'm sure you guys have done it before. Just me in a little like cubicle, juicing, all this. Cutting garnishes, prepping yep. garnishes, mm-hmm. you know, all stuffing the syrups. All- you know, muddling olives, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that um, was – what was that, sorry? No, no. That's – I mean, I sorry. I, I had some PTSD there. I floated away. I was just uh, remembering <laughs> some long, long days in a little box all alone. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, that, was, um, that was a time where the to-go laws for liquor was a little loosey-goosey because it's during quarantine and – Restaurants are trying to, you know, get some more sales, get some more revenue. So mm-hmm. they were, I forget the exact law, but you could basically do a sealed container of cocktails, right? Without having a whatever yeah. certification you had to do. So that was where I first got my hands kind of like wet in the cocktail because I would make that a part of the prep shift was making these giant mm. ass prepped cocktails. So they give the me to-go the recipe. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> get that immersion blender, you know, immersion all up, all that fun stuff. And then I kept pestering. The, the bartender's like, hey, sh- what are you making? What are you doing? How do you do this? Let me do your garnish. Let me do X, Y, or Z, right? And a few months of that, I moved on up and started bartending. And uh, John and Brandon took me under their wing and kind of taught me taught me what they knew. They gave me really Which, cool books to read. And that's, uh, that's kind of where that's it was. Killer, man. That's killer, that, That's a great way to, to make that that transition from you know prep and bar backing and everything into bartending is to offer to do the bartender's job mm-hmm. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna win some favor with some people yeah. absolutely there's not a bartender in america that's not gonna love uh love their bar back unless you haven't got the ice stocked and the trash taken out and then we're gonna have a problem <laughs> don't talk to me about my drinks until you do that job first well, yeah what, what is it that you guys say yeah, no, but it sounds like you had some amazing people, which is tough, man. I, look, I've been involved in a lot. When I was coming up, I was in, definitely involved in a lot of bars where uh, there weren't the friendly, helpful characters that were, you know, excited about bartending that wanted to share it with you. Um, I worked with a lot of people who were jaded and like hated customers, and you know, I'd been in the business for fifteen years and wanted to just, you know, 
uh, we're, we're hanging on. So it's great that you had John and Brandon. I mean, that's an unbelievable pair to run into and at a bar like that. What a great atmosphere to like get excited about craft in a bar that does craft well with people that are passionate about it. Those are like, those are like three things that might've happened at different times in your career. And they happened all at once. And that's special because that that's, that's like obviously what's brought you here today as a bartender making this beautiful drink for us. So, um, so where are you now? Obviously you have, you know, that was the early stages of the bartending experience. You have gotten some, some nights under your belt at this point. Yeah. So from Oddbirds, I got a part-time job at a local distillery, right? So they did flavored spirits. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Might as well do that. Another, another one of our coworkers worked there. She said, hey, you want some more hours over here? I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Why not? So I started working there part-time. Then the time with Oddbirds ends. So I went there full-time. And I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. It was different. And I liked it because I don't know about you guys, but I never did very well with changing from night shifts to day shifts. I'm not a person who can just, oh, I can stay up till five today and then be a normal person tomorrow. Nah, 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 nah. It takes me a couple days to get that cycle back in. If I have like all night shifts, that's fine. But as soon as you ask me to be a normal person again, man, it's gonna take a hot yeah. second for me to reset <laughs> Poor that Steve's, clock. Yeah, Steve's been dealing with those brutal quopens here. Oh. He texts you that it's like, dude, he's like, I had to open at seven AM and I didn't get off till four AM, so yeah. <laughs> I've had some long I've had some long ones recently, but uh yeah. You know, it comes with the territory. Yeah. Even even if you say I Here's the thing, Scott, you're sitting here telling us you don't like them, and I know that that's because you've had to do them. And, and that's, the, that's the thing. You know that you're not a real person because you've been thrust into that situation before um, uh, when you have to do it. So, um, Well, that's awesome. So are you, you're still at the distillery now? Do you split time at Oddbirds? So I'm not at Oddbirds anymore. Uh, I went okay. to – oh, I forgot. I went to another, another place called Ice Plant for a little while. Okay. John and Brandon left Oddbirds, and then they were getting other jobs, just other opportunities, right? How the how the world works. And then I went to Ice Plant, which is another craft cocktail bar, and I was they put me back in bar backing, right? And I was like, okay, yeah. gotta gotta pay my dues again. And it mm -hmm. was a fine time, but I wasn't feeling it, you know. And you weren't turning that, the corner. That's always yeah. frustrating when you're like, I know I can do this. Just give me my shot, you know. Exactly. And you see other bartenders crapping out and missing shifts and you know, at, you know, requesting off and you're not getting, you're not getting your reps. That's super annoying. Even if you're like, Hey, I'll do Mondays, just give me Monday, you know, but, um, I've been there before too, but, uh, all right. But you're bartending now though. No. So a little more, a little more background, right? So I, I'm working at uh, city gates. That's what the distillery is called. It's a fantastic place. And I was a manager there. I was a key holder there. Great people learned a lot of things. They put me through like the whiskey, with the whiskey steward program the first level so it was really cool and they're in tandem with the saint augustine distillery so i got to learn a lot of a lot of more nitty-gritty details about it which was really fun and i was very fortunate to learn that right and then i got another opportunity and it's completely out of left field and i so how the distillery works at city gates is you do presentations tasting tours right you get people in the door with free alcohol kind of like if you've ever been to gatlinburg pigeon forge yeah, yeah of course just like that old smoky, all that stuff, but we do free tasting t samples. So you do a whole presentation, somebody liked what I had to say, and they said, hey, you do really good in uh, sales. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then they gave me their card, and it's like, no, seriously, you do really good in sales. I'm like, okay. So I took their card, emailed them, and uh, about 
five, six weeks ago, I went back to part-time at City Gates, and I now have a, now a desk jockey. It's a different Killer. life. But it, it's, it's fun. It's different, you know? You know, man, that's awesome. Cool. You, you, you got to give it a, a, you know, some new things to try from now and, now and again. And it sounds like you're still keeping it as a side hustle. So it's cool that you've now at your your story has gone full arc from, you know, a busser to, you know, somebody that was doing this full time and, and fell in love with it. And, and now it's still a love of yours, but it's that play money. It's that side money that keeps you floating while you're trying this new career. The, the other great thing. Uh, you know about this is I can also tell you're curious as hell you might just be one of these people like me that their entire life they're craving that new like that new thing to take on right so you want to try new, you know something new so I'm, I'm very excited for you and, and good luck in this new endeavor as you kind of keep the bar on the back burner I will tell you as somebody who has side hustled many a bar it's a great way to find new clients I will just put that in your ear. It's a great business <laughs> development platform. So, um, no, you're exactly right. All right, no more stalling. I'm glad that you we know, wait. You, yeah, you gotta you gotta pump the brakes just a bit because I still want to know where the D and D came into this. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. My yeah, mistake. So, go ahead. Yeah, come on, dude. We, <laughs> you, you did the whole intro about the Baltimore Orioles, and you're not gonna let me talk about D and D for a whole intro. A it was like a minute and a half. Okay. It was like it was ten minutes. We're gonna clock. I'm gonna clock it. I'm gonna go back and clock it. Okay. So no, go O's. Mike, Mike, this is why we have co-hosts. Okay. This is why I need you. You know, the next time, Chris, if you're out there listening, this is why Michael's important because I would have steamrolled this section of the show if we don't have Michael here. So, go, Mike, take it away. <laughs> so, uh, as far as I understand it, uh, you guys you all started playing D&D kind of during the pandemic and everything, right? And from what I've heard, you were a dungeon master for some of these sessions. Yeah. So, th that, that's awesome because I, I also am a dungeon master as well. So uh, I, I was I was interested to talk to you a little bit about that and kind of where your experience and where your love from D and D came and kind of how that all you know coalesced into you guys starting this podcast. No, it's D and D is a deep deep love of mine. I some people say borderline obsessive, but that's that's fine. I wouldn't call it that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so John and Brandon. I love board games, and they also love board games. So we we were all working together. Like, hey, we love board. Hey, I heard you like board games too, there, Steve. Uh, Fuck yeah. <laughs> Yeah? What's your favorite one? Uh probably Risk. Ooh. Love me a good game of Risk or Scrabble. I'm gonna get Scra I'm gonna get Risk or Scrabble. Scrabble. Okay, you went to Risk and Scrabble. That's like the that's the old people's game. What are you doing there? Uh see me on uh, see me on the Scrabble board, my oh, friend. See me. <laughs> Absolutely not. I hate Scrabble with a passion. That's you're not gonna catch me dead on Scrabble board. No Let's way. Let's all sit around and spell together. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all. Sounds like that, that, detention. That sound that woo sounds like it comes from a, a kid who wish he knew how to read and write, but he's from the plains. That's what that sounded my, like, Michael. That's my Kansas show in there. You're just that's jealous too and I know how to scrabble. Okay. Um, anyway, let's – come on. I'm derailing you here. So tell it more about the D&D. Go ahead. Yeah, and so D&D, uh, we're playing board games, having a lot of fun, uh, and then I brought it up like, hey, have you guys ever played D&D? And Brandon was like, no, I've never played it because – I forget exactly why the story. He'll tell you better. Something like his friends pressured him to a voice or something weird in high school. And he said, nah, I don't want to do that. So we didn't. And I said, hey, I'll DM for you guys. I've done it before. It'd be something fun. And we did. It was um, it was us and then another barback named Chase. And we all started this little mini campaign. It was supposed to be like a quick, easy, this is how you yeah. DM. 
or this is how you D and D, right? So it was mm-hmm. like a real down and dirty session. We had our what I like to call the session zero for all those people mm-hmm. who don't know what D and D is or how it works. This is the first thing you do. Everyone gets together. We had at our local coffee shop, right? Shout out to Tucubero. It's fantastic. Um, and we just had dice and we had character sheets. I printed out all character sheets. I had them do some exercises like role-playing, quote-unquote exercises, because I thought the best way to get somebody who's never played D&D before is give them something they're familiar with. So the setting of our campaign was a bunch of bartenders, right? Nice. And I, so what I had them do is there are a bunch of normal bartenders in our world, you know, our universe, right? And then I had them create relationships, have a relationship with every other character, every other player character, whether it's a good one, a bad one, could be super significant or insignificant at all, doesn't matter. You just have to have some kind of relationship because everyone has a relationship. Even if you haven't met them before, the new new customer comes into the bar, you still are gaining and creating a relationship with that person, even though you've never seen them before, right? Mm -hmm. And so we did that, and then the one drunken night, we were all playing D&D, and John said, you know, that'd be really funny if we all did, like, uh, a podcast called Bartenders, and we all laughed, and, you know, the next morning, he wrote all all his notes he was writing the night before drunk, talking about how (laughs) this would be a great idea, and how this would be an awesome podcast, and he really took the took the reins and ran with it and we've just been kind of following since and it's been quite a journey but a fun one that's killer that's awesome well, i want to hear more about your your um character so name uh, and, and more <laughs> of a descriptor about him yeah so on the podcast i play the character oren oho i <laughs> yeah i thought it was oren oh no yeah i uh, i also forget <laughs> sometimes because they every time they say it Every time the guys say or an oh ho, or as an or an oh no, and I slipped the first time in like episode four or five, and I was like, damn it, damn it, I wasn't gonna slip. But no, <laughs> uh, my whole inspiration was that is like, I played the bard of the group, and classically, uh, have you guys seen The Witcher before? Yes. On Netflix. I, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, and you know, there's that guy who's the bard of the group. He's mm-hmm. literally a bard, singing, dancing, all that kind of stuff, yeah. and that's the, the trope of that class mm-hmm. so i thought hey wouldn't it be funny if i played a bard who wasn't good at anything he just found himself luckily in certain situations and so that's where i came up with this flair bartender who was bad at flair bartending <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like oh that's something funny perfect. Want... just perfect <laughs> and so so there's a, a certain mechanic in the game it's called bardic inspiration the da- game is all about rolling dice to see if what you're trying to do works or not and bardic inspiration in the game can make you roll an extra dice just to see if you succeed so instead of like traditionally if you play a classic D, if you will it's the bard sings you a little song or a dance or something to inspire you right so my take on it was okay you know when you're at a bar and you see like somebody drop a glass or anything like that and you feel bad for them, but you kind of feel good. A pity tip. Yeah, yeah. We know all about yeah, this. Yeah, you kind of feel good that it wasn't <laughs> you who fucked up, right? It's like, ooh, that sucks, but at least it wasn't me. And that's where this character kind of came from. It's like this flare bartender nice. who's bad, who drops shit. And that's how he inspires you by taking all that negative emotion into himself, essentially. Yes. That's great. I, I, love, that. I love that. It, you can tell that you you have a passion for D&D because you've gone past those you know, classic tropes 
to try and find something a little bit more unique. And also the fact that you enjoy playing a character that has faults and isn't good. Because most new people are going to want to, you know, play a character that is the best at everything they do. They want to kill all the bad guys. They want, But somebody who's played for a little while, like, can appreciate those flaws and imperfections of the character because it forces you to find original and unique ways to overcome different obstacles in the game. And be, so and I be totally more clever. That. Be more clever yeah, with exactly. how you work. At the, I think the other thing that is amazing with your character is you brought to light a true sentiment of the bar business that we don't talk about enough. We love to revel in our friends' mistakes. It, there is mm-hmm. something... You know, if you work in corporate America and your friend makes a mistake, maybe you gossip about it. Oh, my God, did you hear Cindy? She made an $80,000 accounting error, and she's getting fired. But you don't, like, (laughs) giggle, laugh about it. It's totally different. If your friend spills a drink on a table, you feel bad for him, but damn it, (laughs) you are just going to laugh in his face. You know, it's a special thing about this business that that you don't get in every every profession. So I love that you brought that to light. Um, Yep. So – uh, one more time, the name for the people. Uh, it's Orin Oho from Bartenders. Got it. Yeah, and you're a you're a I don't I can't remember if you said it or not. You're a tiefling bard, right? Yeah, tiefling is this, um, like the devil is somewhere in or some de- de- demonic entity is somewhere in your family tree, you know. So okay. he has horns, cloven feet, the whole nine yards. All right, all right. Yep. So he's like kind of a kind of like a half ass little demon kind of. Uh, kind of character type of guy yeah he's a right. he's a I scamp he's, he's a scamp from what i can tell ah, a little quirky okay. a little bratty if you will <laughs> okay all right well yeah. that's that's awesome it's great to again i love this collaboration because we get to understand who the person is and their bartending experience and then also uh who their who their kind of D character is and, and get both sides of that coin and i and i love how the first one really bleeds into who the D and D character is in some in some ways, and and that oh, personality. Yeah. You, I can I can tell that you, uh, um, you're the type of person that that um, not afraid to make a mistake. You know, you're humble. You like to learn from it. So to, for for you to have a character who is, uh, you know, the guy fumbling and bumbling around the bar for team morale. You know, it's all I, I do love it's that. all that's in stride. Great. It's all in stride, and so that's that's a that's a great testament to your personality. All right. We have got to put all of the expose to rest. It is time, my friend. Scott, are you ready? Sporn ready. Oh, yes, yes. Well, listen, uh, just like the paint rained down at drip each night, the gauntlet questions are about to rain down upon thee. All right. No more wasting time. Here we go. We are now going to put Scott through the gauntlet. All right, Scott, we have made it to the gauntlet. Question number one, my friend, pet peeves and misconceptions. These are either pet peeves of your coworkers or customers or misconceptions people have about the industry. Okay, so I got a couple generic ones that I feel are pretty universal no matter where you work, whether it's a craft cocktail bar, you're slinging beers, whatever. Anybody who's ever snapping to get your attention or just shoving an ID and just fling it in your face. Hell no. That, that pisses me off beyond anything. It's like, I'm actually going to serve you last. I don't care anymore. I don't care what you were in the queue, but you, you're not getting served anytime soon, my man. Uh, uh, it's just something that gets me so pissed off. It's like hot 
rage is in my gut. You know, it's like <laughs> the disrespect. Like I'm a person too. You know, we're all I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine you enraged. I'm having a really tough time. You have for the people. Obviously, this is theater of the mind. Scott has this really friendly face. He's got safe eyes. He's got this nice smile. You know, and I'm I, and what I'm really having a tough time seeing you angry. So now I. I, I might I kind of want to I kind of want to come into the distillery and just do a little bit of just a little snap party just to see how yeah just to see how things play out how how do you feel about whistling ah uh, I mean it's not much better it's a little better to be honest just a little bit you think so wait whistling you think is better than snapping if somebody snapped I could see if somebody's whistling at me like I'm a fucking dog then then we've got a big problem that's I, yeah I mean. Everyone has their own, you know, unique takes that piss them off or upset them more than others. But I feel like if it was a really loud bar and you were, like, talking and yelling at them, they whistled, and they then said something really nice, I I could understand it better, right? Yeah. Like, come here. Come here, boy. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> not it. That's not it. <laughs> All right, so so let's, let's look at this question a different way. What is the best way to get your attention? Now, now and, and please exclude, like, being patient, right? You know, obviously, if you're busy and, and you're working behind a bar and we see you serving someone else, we should be patient until you can take the order. You know, I shouldn't be upset at the bartender. They may be understaffed. There's a million different reasons, right? Um, and I can also take my patronage somewhere else if, if I feel like I'm not getting quick enough service. So I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying if somebody were to do something audible or emphatic to get your attention, what would be the best way? What I always do is I always take my wallet out and put it on the bar. That's how they know, okay, okay. I have my wallet ready in my to... hand. I'm ready to rock yep. and roll. I don't need to, if you're doing your job correctly, you should have clocked me. You should have clocked the wallet, clocked that I don't have a drink. I haven't been touched yet. And you'll get to me when you get to me because that's that's just, I know it's kind of now, a cop-out yeah. answer, being patient. No, no, no. But that's, no, that's not like a cop-out. Having your money out and showing, I'm prepared. You're not going to come up and ask me for a drink, and I'm, I'm going to fumble and not know and not know where my wallet is. So you're already sending those good vibes that you know that you are ready. Um, you know what? Do you, do you also maintain eye contact as much as possible with the bartender? Like, not to where it's creepy, but, like, you are catching eye contact 100%. and, like, pleasantly smiling. 100%. Like, hey. Yep. Yeah. What's up, man? Yep. I, I, I love my, my my favorite tool is I will I will absolutely do what Mike just said. Like I will make sure the bartender saw me and I will try to get a reaction. I will never say anything. I'll try to get a reaction out of mm -hmm. them. Right. To where they'll be like, I'll be with you in just a second. And I'll be like, oh, take your time. And yeah. I'll do the grand like I'm fine. I'm in no rush. And I will I will intentionally give like the over like, no, no, I'm, I'm and I'm not talking about it in a sarcastic way. I really mean yeah. it. I really yeah. do mean it. And, and I'm doing that because I found that that gesture tends to get them to speed back to me a little bit quicker. Yeah, well, you put you made them a little bit more relaxed yeah. to where they can kind of, you know, decompress a little bit in that rush. And, Scott, to your point, I think the, the wallet on the bar is a classy move. I know, like, a lot of times, especially if I'm drinking at, like, a brunch, you know, like, it's Sunday. I'm just kind of casually strolling in my T-shirt and shorts. I'll take all my stuff and put it on the bar, right? Like, I am staking my flag i'm here I'm, I'm ready to eat and drink that kind of thing but mike mentioned having your money ready and when i first ever started going to like going out to the bar as a 21 year old you'd see a lot of people with a 20 dollar bill in their hand or like a 50 dollar bill you know something and they would hold it out you know toward the bartender like they would almost like reach across the bar with cash in their hand and at first i was like oh yeah 
that's what I should do because that like shows them like, here's my money, please take it. And then I started to get that done to me. I really, really didn't like that. I really well, like the Well, now are you talking about just money. having it out? Well, yeah, okay, that's different though. If you're like holding it out, like here, take this. That's one thing. Yeah. But if you just have it ready, like this is how I'm paying. Whenever you're ready, you already know if you have to run yeah, a credit card like or if you have to it, cash me out. Yeah, almost like holding it to yourself. Your credit card, your like cash, a classy your penguin yeah. holding yeah. it close to <laughs> to yourself. Exactly. They got right. stubby yeah. arms, you know. They can't go that far. T Rex. You know T Rex that shit, baby. You know what pisses me off? I think even more as someone who's, you know, I don't bartend anymore. So when I go up and I'm trying to get a bartender's, you know, attention, especially when it's really busy, well, because I get it. Like sometimes you just get busy, especially if there's another bartender there. Like maybe you don't know if they took that person. I get all that stuff. But what pisses me off even more is when I've been waiting for a while and I've made myself seen and someone else comes up from behind and all of a sudden just gets a spot next to me and then the bartender comes up to them and takes their drink before me what pisses me off more than anything is when that person doesn't look over and say oh no no he's been standing here this whole time i know because i just walked up from behind him and instead they take their fucking drink that i i I don't i'm not even mad at the bartender at that point that is on that fellow customer yes 100 percent well we we have apparently turned this category into our rant session um, but so let, let, let's keep it moving. That was, a, that's a great one. That's always a classic, you know, don't, don't treat your bartenders like a piece of meat, male, female, anything. See, what I think we need to do is put, flip this around. And what's the best thing to do to fuck with that customer when this is happening? So when they're waving at you or snapping or whistling, like, you know, what's the best way you're not going to serve them. So do you just kind of look at them and smile and just nod? I was and, just going to say, you, play along. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, you know what I do? Second, I go, yeah. <laughs> like a crazy person, and I just don't yeah. say anything. I'm like, hi, hi. Yeah, I see you. If you want to be a real asshole, you can give him a, a little wink, maybe. Get him <laughs> there confused. It is. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, what is, what I'll, I'll get to you in a second. Blow, don't you worry. Blow him a kiss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby. <laughs> you stay right there. I'll be right with you. <laughs> All right, number two, best and worst tips. Uh, these can be monetary, non-monetary, just, you know, some of the – the joys and triumphs all the way down to the horror shows of the tipping process. Uh, I really don't have any crazy great tip or awful tip story. Uh, I remember, <laughs> I just remember this. Uh, when I was working at Raintree as a high schooler, I remember I was working on Mother's Day. I had a nice brunch with my mom and then I went to work. I was still a senior in high school and I picked up this couple and and she she really liked me. She told me, I look like her son. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, that's fine. I drop her to the restaurant and I was doing my, like my busser duties, whatever, rolling silverware in the back. And I told my best friend who also worked there and it's like, Hey, yeah, this lady said, I kind of look like her son. He's like, dude, you know what you gotta do? You gotta really ham that shit up. She's going to give you a great (laughs) tip. It's like, really? You think so? It's like, yeah. What's the worst that could happen? I'm like, you're right. I totally should do that. And I did, and I really brought it up, really charismatic, just talked to her about, like, oh, where are you from? What's your son doing? All that stuff. <laughs> and lo and behold, I got $50 from that woman. And that oh, was nice. a lot of money for a, a senior Scott, you know? I was like, yeah. that's awesome. Oh, mama. I thought yeah. you were going to tell me that she actually wanted to have sex with your face. Because <laughs> I've I've had somebody ask, ask me that before. And uh, it got, ask you what uh, or tell me, be like, you, you remind me of my son or my son has okay. the same name as you. And then it gets real Ugh. creepy after that. But um, no, that's that's great. That's a that's a heady play. That's squeezing the juice out of the lemon right there, my friend. Oh, yeah. You got to do it. <laughs> got to do it. Right. You got to roll that lemon first, then squeeze it. Right. 
I, <laughs> I dig that. I dig that. Well, my God, man, you were chopping through these. Uh, any like any um, any tips that you really got frustrated with that you remember from from? Well, you told us one from Drip was a really good example. The seven, you know, seventeen dollar mm-hmm. tip, and you're covered with paint heading home. But any any other no, ones I, before we close this category? Uh, Mike, were you saying something? Well, I was going to ask, because I know it's hard to, like, think of, like, the worst tip, because a lot of times just, like, a $0 tip is a bad, you know, it's just a shitty tip, and that shit happens more than you'd like it to. I guess my question is, if you can't think of a particularly bad tip, would you rather get a $0 tip, or would you rather get a, like, really small, minuscule tip? Like, on a $60 check, would you rather get stiffed, or would you rather get, like, a buck fifty? I guess I'd rather get stiff because a buck fifty is insulting, right? Yep. <laughs> At like, least with the zero dollar tip, you can make up things in your mind. Like maybe they didn't know I was supposed to tip. Maybe they're like Mr. Pink and they don't believe in it. Whatever it is, but the fact that they give you the small tip, they're acknowledging that they're supposed to tip you, but they're just not doing a good job at all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't have a like I said, worst or best tip story, but I do have the most consistent tip story. Now, I was working at a bar, and I was usually working the, you know, like, the opener shift, right? And it was, I think what it was, like, 11 to 5 or something like that. And I had this guy come in every day, and he'd come in at noon and order two Old Fashions. And he, At the same time? Oh, no. They'd be... <laughs> no, that'd be Bring me two Old Fashions. <laughs> uh, but every single day, he came in on his lunch break at noon. It's like, I want two Old Fashions. And he, we served him in, like, a large rock at the time. It's like, no, I don't like that large rock. It's hard to drink out. I'm like, okay. It's like, I don't really want any bitters, like half a dash of bitters. I'm like, uh, okay. He's like, yeah, no sugar either. I'm like, so you want a shot with some ice in it, right, man? He's like, no, no, no. I want an old fashioned, like, whatever you got to tell yourself. <laughs> and he'd get two old fashions at noon. Then he'd come, go back to work. Then come back at five and get two more every single day. And every single day, he tipped me 15 bucks. So I would chit chat with him. He'd stay there for 40, 50 minutes, depending, you know, it was, it was crazy. So nothing interesting. 15 bucks each visit. Yeah. In the morning. That's and good. The That's a great customer. That's a great regular those, right those there. Clock, you know exactly those, what they're getting. They're consistent. Yeah. They tip you. Those awesome. clockwork regulars, you do start to get a little, like a little weirded out after such consistent, it's, it's such consistency. You're like, wow, this is bordering on serial killer level. But then you're like, this guy's loaded. He's not going to be able to get away with a with a crime. Yeah, right why got to be so half yeah. glass half empty? I've, I've, Steve, no, huh? no, no. I've had some of those guys too, and it's like they come in, they're going to order their two uh, kettle double kettle one on the rocks. They're going to give me a fifty dollar bill like they every every day, and they're going to walk right back out the door. I got, I do have a question. Did that guy keep the tab running from lunch to dinner? Did you guys get to a point where you're like, oh, he'll be back? No, he didn't like to keep it running because he'd always say, "Ah, oh, probably, probably won't see me later." You'd always see him later. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a great line. He's like, yeah, "I probably won't I be probably, back." He's like, "Okay, sure, man." I'm <laughs> glad I, I'm glad I asked because I knew it was gonna there was gonna be something there. So, all right, question number three: worst drink orders. And Mike, Mike, elaborate this question a little bit because it's kind of you know John did a good job on the last show. Mm-hmm. Um, really defining what we mean by this, which is a cringy drink order, like something that's disgusting or weird or, or strange. But this you, category you, you pa- is a, or you pass judgment on the person right, for ordering it. Right. Yeah. But this category has evolved to so many different things. So, Mike, tell them a little bit more about just uh, um, what this has evolved to. Yeah. I mean, this could also just be drinks that you particularly hate to make. 
or it could be the worst drink that you've ever had a bartender make for you. You know, you order some, for instance, I ordered a dirty gin martini and they gave it to me in a pint glass with <laughs> vodka, a shot of vodka and the rest olive juice. Oh, God. Yeah, it was really bad. It was my fault. I ordered it at a college beer bar. My, my bad. Yeah. My mistake. <laughs> That's you <awesome>. fool! <laughs> yep. I'm surprised they knew what it was. Uh... Yeah. Well, who the fuck did I think I was walking in ordering a fucking dirty Jim Martini at that place? Michael <laughs> Windsor. <laughs> Goddamn right. But anything like that. So I, I got a few weird drink orders for sure. Because like I said, at Oddbirds, the first thing on the menu was that bartender's call. And that was the most ordered drink and so we had a lot of young well it's servers. world class how could you not order exactly, it exactly you know <laughs> and the other thing of oddbirds i didn't mention is all of their glassware and stemware were all different they're not uniformed at all so they're all they literally went to thrift stores to get all this different glass and different shit and that's a part of their shtick you know they're the odd birds are different than yeah. a normal unified like applebee's or whatever um mm-hmm. So I would get a lot of weird requests, but generally the worst, the worst one is that I hate it when people like rang in, like the servers would bring in all the descriptors on the POS system and they say, okay, I want a, a vodka, uh, a vodka drink with, I don't really want to taste the alcohol though. And I want it sweet, but low calorie. What can you make me? And like, you're drinking, my dude. It's like, called it's Skinny Girl Vodka. <laughs> yeah. Go to the liquor store and grab some, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I want it sweet, but it doesn't taste like alcohol, but I want to get me drunk, but I want it low-cal. It's like, yeah, you're drinking. Just make the yeah. decision to drink. Yeah. Drinks have calories. You're going to have fun. Let's have fun together. And, like, let me give you something good than water and vodka with a mint leaf in it, okay? Yeah, so it's more <laughs> like the qualifiers are the issue yeah. there. Yeah. I will say, one Halloween, I was working – and I had this couple. They came in as this. I don't watch the show, but it's Portlandia. And yeah. Yeah. they were this couple, and they had a pickle jar. And I'm like, okay, what's up with the pickle jar? And they're like, Amish, I don't want to say Amish clothes, but like kind of Amishy clothes. Yeah, yeah. And like maybe like, Mennonite or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. And I was like, I don't watch the show. You can say whatever you want because they're not allowed to listen to this podcast. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Uh, and they're they're drinking and they're like, well, I have this jar of pickles. Can you make me something with this pickle juice? I'm like, what? <laughs> and uh, that was when I was a bar back and I was like, yo, let me get your bartender. I don't know what he can make with a pickle, pickle brine, I guess. And picklebacks, bro. Yeah, picklebacks. Yeah. yeah. No, but they're making cocktails. They wanted cocktails. Yeah. The bartender's pickle- called with, with this fucking pickle brine. It's like so we okay. we came up we came up. Uh, um, I'm gonna hijack this for just a second when we first really moved downtown there was this wonderful martini cocktail bar called the beatnik and it was mike's mike's like favorite bar of all time this guy used to make these just he was a mad scientist he would make it was a shithole little bar it was was fucking oh my god it smelled like feces and urine but god it did not smell bad but you could walk you could walk down there and it was just this little shitty dive but they had really good they had a hidden speakeasy room in the back where they would do something like live comedy and the guy the guy who ran the joint was just an absolute mad scientist his signature cocktail was the beet juice martini but he made all this other crazy stuff and, we, and, we've talked about him before. Yeah, yeah. And the filthy Manhattan. I will never forget I, about. We, he would. We would go in, and he would actually challenge us to challenge him to make crazy drinks. And 
you know, we were really into drinking martinis at the time. We were drinking a ton of like dirty, dirty gin martinis. Because we're classy motherfuckers. And I remember why. asking him to make us a spicy martini, and he mm. used um, pickling brine from like some pickled vegetables and uh, and um, sriracha, and made what he called the El Diablo, which was a spicy, briny, like dirty gin martini. And uh, and it was, dude, ugh, out of this world. So we actually, a couple different times, using Mike's famous pickled egg juice, tried to recreate that. No, not pickled eggs. No, I yeah, love we, pickled stuff. We used, we used your beef. <laughs> I'm not saying you didn't use it, but no, that's oh, a it was mistake. Good. It was good, dude. It was amazing. So, I mean, if you drink enough of any liquor, it's going to eventually taste No, I'm taste telling good. you, listen, I'm telling you, don't sleep on the, uh, don't sleep on the pickle, Brian, no matter what's in there, so. All right. That now, I do. I do. I do have one quick question. Were they were they carrying the pickles around because their outfits for their costumes? Okay, good. Yeah, okay. the so pickle. It wasn't just like a bit of water. No, man, that was their thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was so funny. I remember they came back after Halloween, and I was like, "Oh my God, you're the pickle people, right?" And like, "Yeah, we are." It was great, and <laughs> the they were so people. they were so kind, and they were so they were a really lovely couple. That's uh, awesome. But no, I just we and they kept that. asking for different pickle cocktails for the rest of the night. It's like, hey, I want another pickle cocktail, but not the same one as before. Yeah, I'm like fuck you, dude. Yo, that's dude, not how vinegar me. works, sir. It's kind of like a takeover flavor. I don't know if you're aware. You know of another that. good one? You could always do some kind of a Bloody Mary concoction yeah, with pickle juice pickle too. Juice in there, but that's a good one. Yeah, that All right, bad. number four, ultimate mistakes, fuck ups. These can be yours or your coworkers. So this is what we're talking about. You know, your friend makes that mistake, and you don't want to laugh, but damn it, it's so funny. This one's actually really, really bad. And Protect it's, the innocent and the guilty, Scott. I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guilty party here, and okay. you're going to judge me. You're going to judge me hard when I tell you the story, but I'll just let you know I didn't mean it. You know, I was in shock at the time. <laughs> I, didn't I didn't mean it. I didn't. I didn't think about it. it was, I told the story after, and then my sister asked, well, what did you do? I was like, oh, shit, I didn't do it. Uh, and you'll understand in just a moment. So there I was. I was a bar back. I was in a, a prep prep ship, right? And I was – so we did a lot of dehydrated fruits as garnishes because they're really easy to bulk and they last forever, right? So I was using the mandolin, and everyone said the mandolin story. Like, hey, got to be fucking careful with the mandolin. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm not a child. But I know how to – I know how mandolins work, okay? I got it. Going to town. You know, it's like, oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Somebody asks me a question, turn around. My finger gets caught in. And I swear not, I whip my finger back so damn hard. And I put it right in my mouth because it hurt so bad and I knew there was going to be blood everywhere. Oh, and I'm God. just bleeding in my mouth, sucking my finger. This person, it was actually the chef who asked me a question. He's like, did you just cut your finger? I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and I'm just yeah, like, finger fully in my really mouth. Bad. I run over to get like a bar towel, wrap it up real bad. And it's so fucking painful. It's just throbbing. And it's like, I think I cut my whole finger off. It was so bad. And the really, really awful thing is I didn't, I, I you know, I skinned my finger into a deli full of a fruit that was going to be dehydrated. And I put it in the dehydrator, and I no! I didn't see any blood no! on anything. It's like, oh, there's no blood. It's fine. It's like, oh no. I told my sister this story. She's like, well, did you find your part of your finger? I'm like, oh shit. I was in so much shock and pain. I didn't think about I it. I do not. Okay, 
I do not judge you for that at all. <laughs> Number one, the chef should have been on top of that. Shit. He was he should laughing. have been like, get he was rid of that. His ass off. But but man, you you were afraid that you cut your finger off, so I totally get you not you know double checking. It's did, still disgusting, did, and I feel god awful for the person who ended up taking that dehydrated well, pe- dehydrated piece of your finger and put it in their mouth and ate it. Did that happen before or after the story of the Halloween the Halloween story you just told us? Uh, that was before. Yeah, so you know, look, you 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 add enough pickle brine to just about anything. You can you can eat pretty much anything, and you're yep, gonna be absolutely. fine. You're gonna be fine. So, and what better time if it did happen on that Halloween to eat anything? You know, to eat another human. <laughs> well, Halloween's well, the best night. This is what I'm trying to get at. Halloween's the best night. If you're gonna, eat another, another, if you're gonna eat another person, okay. do it on Halloween. I prefer <laughs> New Year's. In, in fact, right before, you know, leave it behind. Exactly. Uh, you know, old Start on. Right. You know? So this is great too because this is a uh, JT. His episode, somebody literally cut their a tip of their finger off, and it went into the pork. Yeah, and uh, it got put away. Yeah, man. So you know what they yeah. say: uh, let all acquaintance be forgot, even the ones that we <laughs> just ate. <laughs> um, Scott, no, I have to ask you because again, this is theater of the mind. How big of a piece are we talking here? So uh, is it? Stop me. Is it? Is it a dime? A penny? So it, it, it's Nickel? hard to explain because it was like the finger pad. So I thought it got to the bone it was so bad. But it wasn't like the tip. I was sliding it down. So I got uh, it. And it was uh, it was brass. Not really. Like, I, I literally thought I saw a bone. I was like, nope, can't deal with that right now. And I just got some so we're talking about electrical it, tape. And I just, we're talking about like, like a penny. We're talking about like yeah. the size of a penny maybe. It was, oh, it, it was like not the size. It was also the depth. And it was like, ah, oh, I just uh, fucking – it was rough. Uh, it was real rough working in the bar for the next month after that because I would – I would wear a finger cot and I would like wrap it up and wear another finger yeah. cot and like I do not want to get citrus or this wet at all oh. it's super fucking infected. Yeah. Yeah, and you're working with your hands in in and you're constantly getting them wet in everything. Yeah, it's so hard when your fingers are cut to to bartend. Yeah. This yeah. is the last question and then we're moving on to number 5. <laughs> Did you ever admit it? I I didn't think about it. I didn't think about it. That's not what I asked you. I said <laughs> <laughs> that is not what I asked you. You're correct. Did you admit it to the rest of the team? No. I, I said no. yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, of course. It, it was fine. It was in a separate place. Don't worry about it. It's 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 recorded and on the internet for as long as society exists <laughs> after this. No, so. I'm, I think we're up on the statute of limitations on, yeah. on uh, serving <laughs> yourself to other someone else. Um <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we have made it to number five, and what a final question for this first half. Very, very nice segue there, my friends. Number five, health code violations. Yeah, for example, like cutting a piece of your flesh yeah. off and putting it in the yeah. dried fruit. Yeah, exactly. I was I was really debating whether to put that story on the fuck-ups or the health code, and it's like, it could hey, work for wait, both. You, you think they are next to each other in the gauntlet by accident? <laughs> no. This is all by design, my no. friend. Like you've done it before or something. <laughs> oh, we've we've we have done this show, and we have both cut parts of our bodies off at a restaurant before too. Yep, I feel like that's a real um, no. What is it? Um, a rite of passage, right? Absolutely. But you're not a real bartender until a part of you is in that bar. Well, well, <laughs> well on that note, do you guys ever play bartender bingo? No, but okay. I've heard about it before. I've never so- played. When I, when I first started working downtown, they would always play bartender bingo. They would have a ton of, like, terrible things that would happen to a bartender written down on cards, and they would put them, like, 
in a big, you know, like in a um, like a bucket of beers bucket, and they draw out five of them and they'd write them on a dry erase board. And if any bartender in the, you know that evening hit all five, they would get an extra twenty dollars of a tip because they had had such a rough night. So like, customer walks out on nice. check, you break a glass, you forget an order, a cook yells at you, you know, a drink explodes in your face. Yeah, but right? what what if you're one away and the last thing on your list is break a glass? No, and you just dude, toss one down so, the ground. So listen, we've had this debate a lot of times. A lot of times, the last thing on the list is you cut yourself. And you just, you know what? You, you're going to have to take one for the I team. I need that 20 bucks, you're motherfucker. You're going to take one for the team and lob off a pinky. That's just, that's just how it's going to have to go. But, um, no, that, that was the honor system. You could not intentionally do it, right? Like, you can't curse out a customer and have them be like, I'm leaving and walk out on their check. It was strictly mm. the universe was deciding this. So, so a lot of nights nobody hit it, but the nights somebody did – it was a great pick me up for that person. We all rallied around mm-hmm. like, guys, Amy just hit bartender bingo. And Amy's like, I just cut myself, guys. This is great. <laughs> She's bleeding. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, all right. Uh, health code violations. Number five. So believe it or not, this is gonna be a drip. <laughs> so all the dancers had separate colors, right? And we'd have beer because you couldn't serve liquor. We have a paint. We'd like literally get paint in the beer because you get your you whoever like color blue red or green and then you you know give them that beer whatever they want and one night we didn't have our our food safety food dye and i was like what do you want me to dye dye the fucking beer with it like just use a little bit of the normal paint i'm like no no and i i was doing as i told man right i was 19 i didn't know any no They're like, it's just a little bit of a picture. And I'm like, okay. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's that's probably the worst. Oh, my God, dude. That's like some, uh, that's like, it's some, it's always sunny in Philadelphia shit. I can't, I know. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of Charlie drinking paint. (laughs) What is happening right now? Quit drinking paint, man. So are you there with like a beaker? Are you using like just a bar spoon? No. Yeah, how much paint did you put into the beer? Just enough. Just enough to make it not look like I forget what it was. It was like some shitty, like I don't know, some cheap ass beer. They got the cheapest beer they could find. Oh my god! Just to make it, just to make it delicious. Just enough to make it delicious. That is great. You know, just put just put some fucking paint in there. Uh, You know what? To be fair, from what you've described at this place, they're gonna get paint in their beer anyway. I was just gonna say that. They already know what they've signed up for. I was just gonna say that. Culpability is on the customer on this one. hundred percent. It's like, oh, we didn't put that in there. It fell in during the performance. It's art. Come on, you You gotta frame that that beer. Fuck you. But um, (laughs) honestly, you know, I if you put a blue beer in front of me, I'm just saying, I'd I'd give it a try. To be fair, to be fair, it was food safe paint. If that's a thing. He's what? doing, ladies and gentlemen, he's doing air quotes, oh, yeah. just so you can't see it. Food safe. But hold on, didn't you just say that that you had some other, like, food safety dye that you had to mix in? So there was, like, food dye, you know, that's meant for foods, and then there was paint that wasn't toxic if you ate some of it. And we used the paint, it's like, not the, it's because, not the good like, shit. it was a part, like, the paint could get in your drink, so it's not like, it's not like house paint or anything like that, you know? I gotcha, I yeah. gotcha. So right, la- like, I- go ahead. Oh, no, that was it. <laughs> okay. Last question, and then we got to take a little break here for halftime, and then we'll get started with the back half of the gauntlet. How many times did you have to use the regular paint? <laughs> oh, man. I, I want to say it only happened once. I want to say. 
You want to say it. I want to say it, but I wasn't always prepping. So I don't I don't really know. You know? It only oh happened God. to me once. How many oh times did it happen God. when I was employed I'm there? I'm sorry. That's kind of uh, that's unbelievable. Uh, just, At that point, as a manager, I'd just be like, you know what? Maybe we just don't need colored beer tonight. Yeah. I think that's probably a fine solution. <laughs> the problem Executive was decision. The, the manager was the owner of the company. And they were really down uh, for the aesthetic. There's, there's the problem. Yeah. So there I get it, it. This guy is dedicated. Our beer, our beer is colored every yeah. night, no matter is, fucking what. Put is, some goddamn paint in there. This guy is dedicated to the drip life. He's like, no. He's like, if it's not blue, if it's not red, they won't even drink the alcohol. Okay. What's He'll the never point? Come back. That's what people come here right. for is the colored beer, damn it. I swear it's going to be my last question, but now that I know that the owner was making these sorts of decisions, I'm going to need you to describe for the people what the owner of Drip looks like. Mm. It's going to actually blow your mind. She was a young, hot, or like mid-20s girl. She was like, what? She was gorgeous. She was super athletic. She was super artsy. She was a dancer, and that was her whole inspiration for creating this. Because it was a, a dance show or interpretive art piece, whatever you want to think about, and so she, it, it was it was weird. And she's like, "Oh, it's fine. Just make it work." I'm like, "So she uh, was dedicated oh. to the art. That's what yeah. okay." Asked. So yeah, all the thought. things you described of her, that's not what surprises me. I don't care about her her uh, inspiration or anything. How did she have the money to open this set, this up in her early twenties? Yeah, well, in her early twenties, interpretive dancer. Like, this was before OnlyFans, I'm assuming. So I mean. <laughs> Early 20s is probably mid to late 20s, to be honest. Um, it's because she paid her employees $17 for a whole shift. She could have... There, there you go. Like that. There it is. All right. Well, it all makes <laughs> you know, sense I thought now. it was going to take a minute to get to the bottom of that one, but, you know, it's a simpler answer. We should have probably figured that one out on our own. All right. Fantastic. Scott, you are crushing it right now. We're going to take a little break, guys. We'll be right back with you after this halftime. This episode of the Bartender Ramp Podcast is brought to you by CIC PowerBox, your all-in-one portable power solution for AC electric, compressed air, and heavy-duty jumpstart. Our patented technology provides silent and emission-free power that recharges while you drive. With customers ranging from farmers and contractors to highway departments and military bases, the CIC PowerBox name has been put to the test for over a decade in the hardest-working environments. Whether you're working remote or have limited access to a power source, CIC PowerBox will help you get the job done. Call us at 802-468-7697 or visit CICPowerBox.com to view our product line. CIC PowerBox. Wherever you go, go with power. Welcome back to the show, my beautiful friends. We love each and every one of you out there that is still here listening and enjoying another wonderful episode of the Bartender Rant Podcast. Oh my God, halftime was great. I ate a little bit of avocado. I had a glass of water. Um, I feel. Was your? I, I have a question about your halftime in Maryland. There. Yeah. Was your lady naked? Is that why she was asking yeah. if the camera was still on? Yeah, All right, yeah, I thought yeah, so. You know, you know how it goes. You know, that's why I had to go get her the water and then walk back over. Just, just to. Be you didn't there. have to. I'm just. Saying. I didn't have to. But I had to. Um, all right. Before we get back into the show, I have a very critical question for you, Scott. And you've been doing a great job. So I'm not going to take it easy with, you know, on you, especially in this back half, but definitely not on this question. Gun to your head right now, ranch or blue cheese? Ranch. Easy. Oh, okay. I heard your episode with Eric. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm on. one of those people. <laughs> hold on. I'm one of those hold people. On, hold on. Okay? And that's fine. I want you to know I love you. 
I respect you. I, I have no judgment for you. What I need to understand is how do you feel about blue cheese? It's fine, I guess, but I'm not going to eat it. Okay. You don't like it. You don't like it. And that's fine. There's plenty of things I don't like, right? How do you feel about blue cheese eaters, people who do consume blue cheese? Hey, if that makes you happy and makes you happy, I'm all for it. But I'm a two ranch kind of guy. I love my ranch. I love my mm. condiments. They are, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember I was at Brandon's restaurant and he's working at a pizza place right now. Uh, he's one of the managers and I text him. I'm with my whole family. I'm celebrating Father's Day, right? I'm like, hey, how's the ranch here? He's like, I made it myself. I'm like, hell yeah. And he brings me these two saucers of ranch. I'm like, this is amazing. Mm, you know he me knows so his well. Friend. Yes. <laughs> well, good. Listen, I'm I'm just glad that you can be a discerning ranch eater. We we on this show, we have no issue with ranch eaters. We have no issue with people that don't like either. We have no issue with the people that eat both or that are only blue cheese. The issue we have is with ranch elitists, and I want to hunt them down and root them out because it is a toxic, toxic culture that they have created here in America, and it, it must be stopped. Honest to God, um, to me, uh, to me, that is the the critical problem that we need to solve as a country before we deal with any other of our political, socioeconomic, or foreign policy issues. We need to deal with the ranch elitists. So. I'm glad that if you're not. If it was up to Steve, World War Three would be fought over a, a couple of squirt bottles. Yeah, damn right. Of ranch and blue cheese. Damn right. So, all right. Um, I appreciate your honesty. Let's move on. Number six, ratchet and crazy customers. Okay. Um, we've expanded this category, not just to those crazy customers that were acting a fool, but Michael also too. Just memorable customers, customers that you would like to highlight and give a shout out to because they made you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside. Damn right. So this is definitely not going to be one of oh, those wait. warm and okay. fuzzy ones. Uh, <laughs> I remember I was working at the bar and St. Augustine is a beach town for sure. We have the, uh, one of the best beaches in the nation. That's what they say. Don't come there. We don't need any more people. Um, <laughs> no, but I remember I had a regular come in and he walked in and was like, like 10 11 whatever he looks at the floor he looks at me he says man that's disgusting you gotta like check that out i'm like okay wait did somebody vomit what's up he wouldn't respond to me and i was like what like that's rude as hell you come in all the time why aren't you telling me what's up walks past and i let it around. out man let it out hold on hold on let the burp out okay <laughs> this this is the brp show okay it's the, it's the burp podcast really at the end of the day <laughs> we're drinking drinks we're cutting it up we're talking too fast just take a deep breath all right continue no i for sure had to burp you got me there uh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um no <laughs> and uh so i went out out behind the bar see what's up and there's a puddle of blood next to a stool I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I'm like, what is going on? There, there's like a bloody footprint going out. So this guy what? came in the bar. <laughs> a murder mystery in the bar. Yeah, did you, did you, right after that, did uh, did Dick Wolf walk in and you heard dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no, I wish. That would have been a better ending. No, but this guy literally went outside and he, I want to say he, started smoking a blood right outside I'm like dude are you okay it's like yeah i'm fine I'm like you aren't wearing shoes like oh my bad it's like you're bleeding oh okay I'm like okay dude <laughs> oh so when you say a bloody footprint yeah. you mean literally a footprint you, you not like a, a shoe print yeah 
a footprint full of blood. Oh it was it was gross. So, did you get oh, to the yeah, bottom? Go, go, go on. No, oh, no, God. God. I, I, was to to I, went to, <laughs> I went outside to make sure the guy was okay. Smoking a blunt outside. He's like, yeah, I'm fine, man. I'm like, okay, well, don't go into restaurants without uh, you know, at least flip-flops, please. He's like, yeah, sure. And he was just... It's like, this is Florida, but we still have yeah. some standards, guy. Okay. You, so, wait, wait. He's the one that said... he, The guy that that you found outside smoking is he the same one that said to you that's gross no no that was a regular who came in looked at the floor guy. did not Different tell guy. me what gotcha, was going gotcha. on like you could have yeah, no shit that's up. gross <laughs> you know thank god we had some okay. like so wh- wh- why was he bleeding yeah did you get to the bottom of the he, wound he was he was barefoot and he was walking around there's probably something you shouldn't walk barefoot everywhere was he bleeding from that's his how, that's, foot? Honestly, yeah. that's how you get worms. Oh, okay. All right. I, I thought that I, – I don't know why I thought I heard you say so, there, there was, like, something on his leg, like a cut or, like, he got shivved or something. But uh, He just always had, he's had bloody feet from walking around. Yeah. He's just tracking blood everywhere huh. okay. with his bloody fucking feet. Yeah. And and w- was he looking at you like he had done nothing wrong? Like, oh, yeah. why are you why are you interrupting my day, <laughs> sir? Okay, was, I'm just trying to sit here and smoke my drugs. Yeah, he was just completely oblivious. Didn't care. He's like, oh my bad. It's like, okay, well, it kind of <laughs> is, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did he did he come back in no, after that? No, he was smoking. He was walking did, somewhere else. I'm like, okay. Did did he offer to clean up the nope. blood? He wow. said his bad, that you know, gross. that's something. My bad, man. <laughs> Not much, but it's something. <laughs> you can't just say with all due respect and then say anything you want after that. <laughs> Wait, that's not how it works? It's in the Geneva Convention. <laughs> <laughs> all right, number seven, fights, arrests, and fires. One of my favorite categories. I love it. I love it when the heat gets turned up and the flames start licking up the building. Not because I like watching bars burn down, but because I like to see what people are made of. That's very fair. I don't, sadly, I don't have one of those classic, oh man, this brawl came out and you like 30 people just going at it. No, I don't have anything that exciting. The closest thing I have to is an elderly couple and it was, who's working at the bar with me and Brandon at the time. And he'll, he'll probably confirm this for you or he'll tell the story better. Probably. He's a way better at telling stories. Uh, so we're working. Ah, come on now. You're a dungeon master. I don't want to hear that. You know, I, I, do a, I do good enough, right? And so here I am. It's one of my newer shifts as a bartender, right? And I ask, hey, greet them, give them a menu. It's like, what's up, guys? You're at the bar. This is what we have. And they order some appetizers. No big deal. They want, of course, the bartender's call because that's what they're known for, right? And so she described this drink. She's like, you know, a real girly drink, you know? A real she kept really emphasizing girly as the adjective of this cocktail and i was like you know what i've heard brandon now say a lot of times how that's not really appropriate because that's not actually describing anything you know you're just making assumptions mm-hmm. about just women and that they don't want strong gender yeah. and and what mm-hmm. what defines a female drink yeah. or something like, like i that. know yeah, that's not fair plenty of women who like that hard moonshine or anything like the hottest shit you'll ever have. So it's just not an accurate, when you're describing a cocktail, that's just not an accurate description or an adjective, right? So I was like, hey, this is going to be my first time stepping up and trying to educate the world, right? And I try (laughs) to say it. I try to say, oh, well, that's not the best way to 
describe that drink. Uh, yeah, you're saying this to, to yes, the girl, to the, lady, to the bartender. An older, older lady, you know, in her 40s, mid-40s, later 40s, probably 50s. Um, the, yeah, customer. the customer. My apologies. And yeah, yeah, gotcha. I, she gave me some resistance, and I was like, oh, God, I didn't expect this to happen. I wasn't ready for resistance. <laughs> I'm so charming. Yeah. I thought she like, would just whoa. roll right along with it like, here. Oh, Scott, you've taught me so much today. <laughs> well, she was with her husband, so, I mean, I didn't expect that. Uh, <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, I was like, man, every time I've seen Brandon do this, usually, they usually just you say, oh, okay, cool, thanks. I'll try to do better, or thanks for letting me know, or whatever. And she was, like, resisting, and it's like, oh shit, what the fuck do I say now? So I go get Brandon. It's like, oh, that's a good question. I know a guy who can answer it better than me. So I go get Brandon and give him the down low. I'm like, hey, this is happening. Uh, what what should I say? He's like, I got you. He goes up there very respectfully, very tactfully, tells her what's up. And I'm doing something else. Uh, somebody else sat down. I'm working with them. I key in and I see her stand up and she's yelling at him. She's fully finger pointing yelling at him out, outside volume inside like what the fuck is going on what did he say uh, to it, her? it was just it was a conversation it was over like a minute so it wasn't it was an escalation it was a snowball effect right so i'm yeah. not sure exactly what was said in that conversation i don't even hopefully brandon remembers i do um but it was crazy and man it was crazy they stormed out it's like holy it was, it was just the wildest thing wildest thing now i'm gonna make some assumptions here you know what happened okay. that. hey mike do me a favor get some uh get some uh post-production sound for reckless speculation because i'm gonna i'm gonna make some here <laughs> i'm gonna say that this was florida this was a couple in their 40s or 50s and this was a lady who uses the term girly as an adjective to describe drinks and i'm gonna take a wild guess that a bartender actually trying to give them good ordering advice to say, hey, guess what? This is not a good descriptive adjective for specifically alcohol, right? There are other things you could, I, I think, describe as girly and it would be appropriate. I don't have a good example off the top of my well, head. Well, for instance, I would, I would think like bubbly. Like that, that's something that would be, in my mind, be a more feminine trait. You know what I mean? When you're just, as far as describing a drink, you know what I mean? Ipso facto, I don't really know. I mean, I think we're, it's, it's, you're, we're cutting a razor's edge here because I don't <laughs> think we need to, to, to um, be exclusive about any of these descriptive categories for anybody. But my, my point being is, I thought that I, it sounds like you and Brandon were trying to do good by her by saying, hey, if you go to other bars, you talk to other bartenders, you want to get a great drink, your best bet is to use a word that describes drinks, not describes mm. genders, which don't mm. are not defined by any particular drinking category, flavor, or anything like that, right? Yeah. And so I'm going to take a wild guess that that was received by her as woke snowflake, hey, mm -hmm. don't tell me what I can say. Just make me a goddamn pink girly drink, right? <laughs> That's what I'm going to take a wild guess. And there was probably a lot of the, you know, liberal left-wing medias telling you that I can't describe my my cosmopolitan as a girly drink. I think that I'm going to – I'm wild stab in the dark. Wild stab in the dark on that one. Yeah, I, I'm sure something along those lines were said. I Like I said, I just saw the tail end. I saw the explosion. I didn't see the, you know – Okay. We got to turn the screws on on Brandon. Oh, on this oh yeah, this, I've already making it oh, now. Yeah, We're getting to the bottom do. of this. Yeah. All right, and this was at Oddbird. Yeah, 
And, okay. and Brandon's one of the most the, tactful persons I know, you know? He's so good at yeah. diffusing and explaining things, just matter-of-factly, you know? Very, very good at that. So I thought, oh, he's going to crush it. No big deal. I've never seen that before. I'm like, oh, wow. This is a first. Well, yeah, and, and the other thing is, it, it's not like you're at a Chili's. Like, if I'm if I'm at Chili's and my bartender starts to explain to me about, like, <laughs> how to use how to better vernacular <laughs> in my social life, I'm probably going to be like, listen here, Kevin, okay? Turn around, <laughs> put in my order of baby back ribs, and leave me alone for the rest of the evening. But you're at a craft cocktail bar, you know what I mean? Like, this is a, a establishment that is passionate about alcohol, about crafting alcohol, about mixology. I don't think it's outside the – it's kind of like when you go into Drip, you should expect some paint in your beer. When you go into mm-hmm. Oddbirds, you should expect your bartender to engage you about craft cocktails. And I think that's what mm-hmm. you guys are doing. So that's interesting. Um, that, that's a good story. It's uh, you know definitely different than some of the other fights at Rest and Fire stories we had. So I like that one. Um, all right. Totally turning in a different direction. Well, maybe not. We don't know how the story is. Oh, that's so. right. Um, <laughs> number eight. Number eight, sex stories. You know, the bar business always causes friction. You're between the pipes, people cutting it up, and uh, and there's always that sexual tension in the air. As Mike and I affectionately call this category. The sexy Lexi. That's right. Tell us some stories for, <laughs> uh, from your bar industry experience. So I sadly don't have any juicy, sexy Lexi stories myself, uh, but I do have an incident when – Oddbirds first opened up, and like I said, right in the beginning of the pandemic, right? Good. Love a good incident. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I was barbacking, and I was, like, hustling and moving a bunch of ice, all this shit, you know, as barbacks do. And this girl, she was pretty attractive, um, and she was plastered. She was real plastered. She she looked at me, and she was talking. I was chit-chatting, like, yeah, sure, I'll shoot this shit with you. Fine, you're attractive. You'll maybe give a good tip. Um and then she's like, what's your Instagram? It's like, oh, sure. Give her my Instagram. Fun fact, I have not posted anything on my Instagram for the last, I think, five years. So she's like, you gave me a <laughs> fake Instagram. This doesn't look like you at all. I'm like, well, it's not fake. That's a little hurtful, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I just don't keep up with social media. Sorry. Let me see pictures of yeah, you five like, years ago, baby. Come down. And she's like, oh, I really like your hair. And I'm like, why, thanks? And I'm wearing a mask because it's the mandate. And she's like, oh, she's hitting on you while you have a mask. Yeah. And she's like, you have really nice eyes. That's a good. Hey, that's a good sign, though. When they can't see the face, they, they've got some good feeling about you. I mean, listen, you're a genuinely good looking cat. You know, hey, thanks. I, I just I always find it odd when when you hear these stories about people like I think it's definitely uh, creepy when guys are hitting on girls when they have a mask on. It's like, come on. You can't. What? Why? Why? Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, why? I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've ch- I think that to me that's more sweet. It's like you can't see your face, but your your personality just shines through. You think that that's mask. what it is? You think that's yes. what I'm hitting on? Yes, you? I do. Look, I'm a. You and know what, also, Mike? and also, you know the what? pandemic stop. opened stop. up all these new pickup lines. You can you like, even right though now. I can't see your face, I can still tell that you're beautiful. Uh, no, no, <laughs> you need to stop right now because you are lying to the people. Okay, I know you're a dog. I'm a dog too. I've chased plenty of skirts in my day, and I'm telling you, if I find a girl attractive and she's got a mask on. 
Sure, maybe it's because of the nice conversation we're having. But generally speaking, it's because I noticed some other things until wow. before we got to that point. So I think that's that, very revealing, that, Steve. I'm just saying the initial conversation of a pickup line or hitting on somebody when there's a mask on, there is no conversation. You haven't gotten to know them. It just seems a little bit shady. So anyway, I'm I'm sorry. Continue. So she she says what he's says, what he's trying to say, Scott, is that she was checking out your ass when you yes, returned around. Thank That's, you. What, That's what I mean. We're back on track now. We're back on track. Stand up. Yeah, exactly. Turn around. <laughs> Three sixty, please. Uh, and so she's like, "Hey, take off your mask." And I'm like, "No." She's like, "You take off your mask." <laughs> she she wasn't wearing a mask because she was actively okay. drinking. Um, <laughs> Again, Florida. No, I'm just kidding. And, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And Florida. Uh, Got that. <laughs> never. Uh, no. And she asked me again, like, take off your mask. I'm like, no, I won't. Because now I've committed to not taking off the mask. And yeah, you, you're all yeah. in. The chips are yeah. on the table. Exactly. You got to go down with that shit for sure. She's like, you have to show me your face. I'm like, no, I actually don't. And I left. <laughs> it's like, I got to do something in the back. And I fully left the bar. <laughs> Man, she was on that. She was on no. that. I, I dig it. Did, now, have you interacted with this customer ever again? Has she come back? No, no. See, I, think you, missed, I think remember. you missed a golden opportunity there, man. You, If you would have had the right slick line there, you could have showed her what was under that mask, you know, at a later time. <laughs> maybe, Mike, maybe. But she Mike. was like, uh, see, I have a hot take. And it's a hot <laughs> oh, take. Oh, yes, good. I already and... love this. He's leaning back in his chair. <laughs> <laughs> it's not only a hot take, but it's also – it's a double standard that I don't always follow. So I, okay. I accept the hypocrisy upfront, right? I don't like when people aggressively or just generally hit on me when I'm behind the bar because I am trapped. You know, I do not like it. I don't like to do it. I don't like to see it. But, you know, with that hypocrisy in it, if you're really hot, I, I, I won't mind it as much, but generally, that's, and that's, I'm sorry. That yeah. is everybody. That's everybody. It's, that it's is un, It's not cool to be hit on unless the person that's hitting on you is fucking attractive. And then, you know, it's, it's fine. I just yeah. love Mike sitting here on his perch, you know, smoking his little cigarellos, preaching about missed opportunities. We don't <laughs> need to talk about your, your your, uh, your history of missed opportunities, well, my friend. Well, that's fine because it's not my fucking episode. It's Scott, so I'm <laughs> damn right, track damn there, right. Steve. So you you watch yourself. Just keep. Just remember, I got one in I, the chamber. Hey, look, look, I got more than a few. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, I just it, it, it's those instances in your, especially when you're bartending, you get those weird interactions with people. You're right. You know, sometimes you know uh, a missed opportunity can be a lesson. You know what I mean? And then later on down the road, when that similar opportunity presents itself again. You're more seasoned, you're more tempered, you're more prepared, 100%. and you're able to uh, attack it in a different way. So so I will say, we rarely ever do this on the show, but since you have kind of revealed, you know, that you're still kind of coming up in your, your bar business, and I, you know, at this point, man, I've earned my grades, I will give you one piece of advice, because I have, you know, you get hit on a lot, and, and sometimes it's that advance that you're very happy to receive. And a lot of times it's a solicitation that you say, no, please, you know, how do I get myself out of this? You got to go aggressive with the flattery. Like, oh, my God, I'm so flattered, but I'm happily entangled. And you just hit him with that. And you'll be like, listen, you are so sweet. How can I make your night better? You've just given. Wow, that just oh, really. Let gave me tell me, you, if I was if I was food. five years younger and single, let me tell you what. <laughs> hey, hey, I say if I was five years older and single, stop. Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, um, moving on. 
Question number nine, bar hazing pranks and games. These are the things you do with your friends at the bar to pass the time to get a little bit of the team morale up. Just something when oh, it's yeah. slow. You don't even have to set them up because if you listen to the first episode of Bartenders, you guys are already giving each other shit. And uh, I believe it was Richter trying to push Oren into the cooler and lock him in the cooler, but you were able to roll a better grapple check than he did, and you were able to slip <laughs> by past him, and he was the one that got locked in the fucking cooler. Am I right? Oh, oh, no, you both did, right? No, no, he's the one who slipped in the cooler, and I can tell you, Brandon was pissed about that. He's like, dude, I'm sorry, but my dice tell me he's, story. He's a, he's a big bugbear, so yeah, I mean, it's yeah, surprising that you were able to... Foot dude. You, the you dice just don't juked, lie, You just bitches. juked yeah, him. You, you, you bobbed and weaved. Oh, yeah. I, was, I like to say I was a slippery little eel, you know? Uh... <laughs> No, but the I think this actually happened in the episode too. But in real life, I want to say, John, I, I feel like it was I was either training or shadowing to be a bartender, and he asked me to get a left-handed uh, shaker. Mm. And I was like, Yeah, man, of course. Where is that? He's like, No, just go get it. And he was being really vague about it. I'm like, This is not like you. And I was like, I couldn't find a left-handed shaker. Little did I know, there's not a fucking left-handed shaker anywhere. It's like, Oh, yeah. cool, 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 cool. Oh. You're so sweet. That's when you feel. That's when you, really, that's when you really feel the love. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and trying to pull that shit on the anything podcast. Anything for you, Brandon. Like, what are you, left-handed shaker? I got it. I got it. How long did that? How long till it clicked? It wasn't very. It wasn't very long. It was like a couple minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like there's no L or right or R's on these shakers, man. I. You, I see you shaking two tins in separate hands. <laughs> They're identical. Yeah. And then, and then you have that moment of reckoning where in your head you're doing math. You're like, is there a chance that he's messing with me? Could it, <laughs> no. could it all just be he made in the that. same shaker? Is this bullshit? That. Am I getting tricked right now? And you, you talk because you want to do a good job. That's what really makes a great prank or hazing at a bar. It's the eagerness to do well. Well, to perform yeah. good at your job, yes. To be, you're new. You want to make the good impression, and it is that vulnerability. It, that, yeah, it's that endearing. We seize that's what upon. it is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, but it's endearing. It's like, oh man, he's he's really and then, and that's he's how really Brandon tried. knew that if he needed you to get anything for him during any shift, you're yeah. there for him. But yeah, still, no, he no. gets to laugh at you and, and, and uh, give you some shit. I, and I appreciate you, uh, uh, get, you know, serving yourself up on a platter for that one. That's that's always. Have, a have you got to pull that one on anybody yet? Uh, no, I don't. Th- I think I tried once, and somebody just looked at me and said, "That's not a thing." It's like you're right. Good job. Uh- <laughs> See, you gotta find you gotta find some because left-handed. That's old. I mean, that's you know yeah, the board stretchers awesome. and stuff. They've done that for a long time. The one that John told the the bag the stale air out of the cooler is just yeah. crazy enough that it's believable. So oh my I'll, God. I'll give you one you can do. It's easy because I've always been you know early in my bar career. I when I started to have a little bit more, you know, see, I was more seasoned behind the bar and I wanted to start pranking people. I was never good at selling that one. Like go empty the hot water. I'd laugh and then they'd be like, ah, oh, it's not a thing, right? I started to realize that it's the um, you got to plant stuff. That's always a fun one. So um, do you guys use server pads where you work? Uh, yeah, at Oddbirds okay. we used to, yeah. Okay. What you got to do is the next time somebody puts down their server pad or, or you can get a hold of one or if they use a booklet, they bring it in, 
if you can get a hold of somebody's server pad, flip like eight pages down and just draw a real veiny <laughs> penis. You, you know, go. just a real. <laughs> yeah, just they're they're just right in the middle of a ship. Right, just right, a, a real table. hog. And they're they are, stressed. They're, they're gonna, trying to keep everything rushing, in, in mind. And they flip to a giant. Table, they're going to flip. They're oh! <laughs> you know? It's really going to pop so, out. Sorry, listeners, about all the me and Steve talking over each other just there. We just got <laughs> got real excited about the penises on yeah. the server pad. Yeah, That's oh, my all God. I said veiny. I said veiny, and you should have seen Michael's eyes burst around <laughs> the entire Zoom screen. It was crazy. Uh <laughs> no, that's always a good one that's always a good one so something you know something like that's a classic uh you know um or you know we i can't remember who it was was the breadstick one where people kept trying to oh that was hilarious that was uh, that was see that how was many Richard. pens you can put in somebody's pocket you know that's uh, always right. a shitty one free for putting somebody's uh keys in in water and freezing yeah, block them. Ice. Yeah, that's, that's a fucked a up one, one. <laughs> and they gotta break it at the end of the night yes. you know i gotta chip it out with a knife that's a classic yeah, yeah. so i feel like you can't do that anymore because your keys are usually have microchips in it and it'll ruin oh no no they, they his did have a microchip in it and his it stopped get working over after it. that get over <laughs> it. it's like 80 bucks or sometimes you more. know what <laughs> you know what pick up more ships that's all i gotta say <laughs> <laughs> all right all right <laughs> number 10 firing and quitting stories or as we affectionately call this category getting 86 yeah damn right <laughs> so i won't name the bar but um I did get ghosted after uh, working there for about a year. I went on a year. Yeah, a year. Man. And I got ghosted. And I was like, "This is weird." I asked to go on a, a buddy's bachelor party. Right, we're going to a bachelor party in school. I did everything right. I did it two weeks in advance. It wasn't a blacked out weekend or anything. And I was like, "Hey, I submitted these things and they didn't go through. Is something wrong?" They're like, no, what time do you need off? The system must not be working. And I told them the dates, you know, big deal. I went on the bachelor party. And the thing I'm not telling you is the bachelor used to work at this bar, but they kind of had a falling out with the owner. Oh, bad and blood. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so, oh, and you so guys he found you. out <laughs> that where I was going. And, <laughs> and then... When I got Guil- back. You're guilty by association at yeah. that point in time. Yeah, and it was real shitty. I'm like, he left me on red, you know? It's like, that's that's a dirty feeling. So I, I worked with I mean, that's cool years. if I met you on Tinder, but you were my employer, so. Yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> I, I worked for you. Like, it, it, it was just rough. It was, it made me feel dirty, like I was used, you know? Yeah, that's a, I don't even know what you call that. That is not a love triangle or friendship triangle. That's a very strange employer triangle where this person i mean clearly clearly this bar manager was really hurt when your friend who was getting the the bachelor left i mean that was that i mean may oh oh my god they didn't they didn't get invited to the bachelor party i was just gonna say (laughs) deeper than that they were in love with the bachelor and when the wedding was announced heartbroken heartbroken You know, and then obviously that person left, and it's like, good riddance. I didn't need you anyway. I didn't and then when they found out you were associated with that, it was all it was all downhill from there. So, so did yeah. you did you get your job back at that place, or did you just never get put back on the schedule? I did they never got put back on the schedule? That I, is so weird. I, I assume that's, you, would, that's, you tried. That's really like, shitty. Oh, yeah, you I, called. Did you go in in person? I went in. I got my my last check, and I was talked to one of the managers, not the one who didn't talk to me it's like hey what's going on do i still have a job here 
Like, because you got you got off for the for the bachelor party. They told yeah. you you were good, right? Yeah. yeah. And okay. they're like, oh, has this person talked to you? I'm like, no. I was like, oh, he'll talk to you. I'm like, well, you uh, see, he's seen my messages and hasn't responded. So I have I have the receipts right here. And so I decided, you know what? This is a great opportunity to make sure that I, I take the high road, you know? And so yeah. I craft this lovely text and I send it and it's like, hey, I assume your no reply has meant that I, I'm not gonna be working here anymore. I learned a lot from this. Thank you for your time, your effort, your energy, all that. It really took the high road real, real classy. And like a, I, like a classy penguin. Yeah, I, I would like to like say Like a classy penguin, that's right, <laughs> yes. And then I got this, man, this nasty text back. He's like, that's what? not what happened. It's like, man, it's been three weeks since I've been on the schedule back from the bachelor trip. Like, what else was I supposed to think? <laughs> like, so did he make it seem like you still work there? No, he said, like, I told you to call me. And I'm like, I... I, I like that was two months ago. You're referring back to something that happened two months prior. I'm like this, the two things that we're saying are not the same thing. It's like, okay, did he I, try to get you back at that point? Uh, not really. And I didn't want to work back. I was like, yeah, I don't, well, like, exactly, don't want to yeah. go back after that. After like the nasty text he sent, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, 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 this is it, 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 it's almost become ubiquitous. Like, this is how this kind similar story has been told multiple times on the show to where. The managers handle it in such an unprofessional way where you're just trying to do your job, you know, just just keep on marching along. And they are just handling it in such a terrible way to where you don't even know if you're working anymore. Like three weeks. Are you fucking kidding me? If you don't work there anymore, fine. But then I can't you need to go and find another yeah. job. Yeah. And, it's, and, and what's so crazy about it is the silent firing is all too common in this business. It's one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons why there are so many mental health and substance abuse issues because we never know where we stand a lot yeah. of the time at so many bars. You yeah, know? disconnection I, um, from, a, from a future. That you I, I will face. say it again, and we talked about it on Richard's episode. Too you know, um, to be a general manager at a bar in America, there really truly aren't qualifications. Like, um, are there nicer bars and restaurants? Are there more professionally run places? Are there more... Um, high volume where you really need to have the professional experience absolutely but somebody who can barely read and write and has never managed people has no training in psychology has no training in in uh in like a corporate structure or a business structure that person is a lot of the time the person that ends up being the manager because they weren't good at the other jobs, but they were there long enough. And it's like, <laughs> all right, make Cliff the manager. They, you know? they, can, they can put a schedule together. And, it's fine. and, you know, when Cliff has to fire some 18, 19, 20-year-old kid, do you think he, he brings a lot of uh, a deft and maturity to that situation? No, he does not. He He's going to ghost them or he's going to say, hey, go fuck yourself. You don't work here no more. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that's hopefully going to – going to yeah. change in the business i never thought you know scott i never ever ever thought we'd see um the restaurant business have you know medical coverage and 401k plans and a regular hourly rate plus tips and that has been tra changing in a drastic drastic way across the country so maybe the next thing is to really see a more formalized hr structure even at your local bar you know uh where the managers hopefully you know we have a different standard for what it takes to manage people um, in the restaurant business because we need it in a well, bad way. 
you know, and to play to, to play devil's advocate there too. There's so many scenarios I'm sure where a lot of those managers have to deal with people who just completely flake out, don't 100%. show up, and they ghost ways. them. So you know, it, it's I could imagine that it'd be easy to slip into that pattern. And just be like, well, you know, if he really wants the job, I guess it'll happen. But yeah. Still fucked up. That's not cool what happened to you. I hope you had a good time on the bachelor party. Oh, yeah. it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. All right, man. What an unbelievable job. You have made it to the end. You have masterfully maneuvered the gauntlet. And I have to give a round of applause to you. The drinks were awesome. The stories were awesome. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming give, on. Give them, a, give them a round of applause. You can't just say that. There it is. There Great it is. Great job. Great job. <laughs> um, before we get out of here, we do have a few last couple questions for you. We do our clean it up. Uh, we call it our how's our driving. Uh, this is where we ask you to put in any shameless plugs you have. So right now, give us any recommendations you have on food, drink, restaurants, cocktails, or, you know, um, some recommendations, uh, um, you know, just on bartenders that you think yeah. might be on the show, might be good fits. All of what Steve said, and then also I want to hear Orinojo's signature cocktail as well. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got you got a pen in your hand. Come on, you take some options. Let's go. <laughs> you have options is the key. That's my my point is you can take it any direction you want. This is your corner of the show. I'll say, I mean, obviously, gonna plug bartenders. Definitely hit us up. Uh, we I want to say we just published our. 16th episode on on all the streaming platforms so definitely check that out comment rate all that fun stuff uh but it also i just want to kind of plug DD in general it's an awesome game that you should everyone should get into because it's really fun it's really cheap it's super creative and that's it's not that it's not that cheap come on scott (laughs) i'm my computer is sitting on 80 dollars worth of books right now okay (laughs) that there is an expensive route to go but it doesn't have to be expensive fair enough yeah 80 dollars is what 80 dollars is what i spent on one round of golf last week okay it is a cheap game i promise you (laughs) and there's a lot of free pdf files out there on the internet if you ever need to look at something there's there's resources for sure you don't have to get the minis and all the latest books to have you're right you're right you're right you know Uh, but no if you want to you certainly can it can get expensive like any hobby right um yeah i definitely plug a really cool uh our podcast but also dimension 20 which is a lot of us on bartenders watch it and we love and draw inspiration from it um and, and that's the call that's the college humor D yeah, group, right? Yeah. The college humor with the main DMI love the most is Brendan Lee Mulligan. Shout out to him. If you ever listen to this, please, please hit me up in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. <laughs> that's my goal to somehow get in contact or a Twitter or a tweet or whatever from him. You just all, all you gotta do is you gotta have him on as a cameo in the show. Yeah. Come to, I, no, invite him to the tale and the telling. Do not do not ask for a Twitter. Listen, what's his name again? Uh, Brendan Lee Mulligan. All right, Brendan Lee Mulligan. The, the challenge is thrown down right now, man. If you are a true D&D wizard, which it sounds like you are, come to the tale and the telling. Show your true colors, order a drink, and spin a yarn. I love it. I All love right? it. What a great way to put it. Good job, Steve. 
What what a host! What Ooh. a goddamn host this guy is. <laughs> yeah, no. the host with the most. Yeah. Right? My grandma says I have electric in my underwear. No, so. and, and I, I don't want to I don't want to interrupt or derail, but I do want to just before you move on because I know we hit you with a lot. But honestly, I, I agree with you about D and D. Like, um, you know, the people who love it are obviously going to resonate with what you said. But if you're someone that has never played D and D, what's great about it is it's a it's a collective storytelling. Um, uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be all deep here, but uh, no, it, it is so much fun because it really allows people to be creative in a, in a really fun and friendly zone where there's no wrong answers and you some get of the, the color best outside D, the lines. Some of the best D and D players that I have ever played with were people who had no like they they were not people that you would ever expect to play D and D, and they came into it with such a unique uh, point of view that it was so much fun to play with them. And honestly, you you'll be able to resonate with this, Scott. The hardest thing about playing D and D is finding a fucking dungeon master. A lot of people are down to play it. They're like, yeah, I'll give it a, a shot. It's finding a dungeon master that is the difficult thing because it takes a lot of time to understand how the game works and to run it smoothly. And especially if you're running a unique original campaign you've got to spend all the time creating it and creating the world and creating the maps it's it's a lot of fucking work so yeah, and then some did, dungeon masters just become crazy control freaks like fuck off oh, steve <laughs> fuck off <laughs> 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 all right <laughs> anyway all right before we go i got you know obviously the bartenders has been this collaboration has been so much fun you guys have been a wonderful resource in sharing a lot of new people for our show like you know yeah. john you brandon who's going to be coming on dale but one of the things that we always like to ask our guests is do you have a recommendation of a bartender that you really like that we mm -hmm. need to have on the show my honestly it's gonna sound cheesy but my top two recommendations would be john or brandy because they there it you is know, they were my mentors and they kind of Mike, me look the at ropes. that <laughs> look at that we're crushing it <laughs> brandon's coming up on the 17th we're going to record with him we Very got him sad. scheduled so Very and i sad. also love this too because i think chandler uh said this and again shout out to chandler don't want to kiss her ass too much okay <laughs> but uh she was like this is so cool because i get to hear a lot of the backstory of the characters you know in the the cast of the tale and the telling um so it's really cool for your listeners and your fans to be able to hear a little bit of the backstory and just some of the stuff you said in the very beginning, I, I heard were references that were made in the show. Because the show is obviously built out of all of your bartending experiences. So all of those little inside jokes and inside stories are going to come out, even if the listener doesn't know where they're coming from. And I think it's really cool that we get a chance to, you know, kind of showcase you guys and who you are and your history and how that all culminates into your podcast. Yeah, and I think this has been such an awesome collaboration. I truly cannot wait for you two to get on the pod and roll some dice Very with us. Excited. I'm That's ready. I like. I I already have my character created. I'm already ready to go. You I'm gonna help you get this. You gotta give me guess, a little hint. A, a hint? A Just hint. a hint. Okay. Just enough um, to keep me going. Okay. Well, he's he's gonna be a he's gonna be a drow wizard necromancer that's, that's more than a hint that's way more than a hint but i'm happy with that yeah i'm really can i get a show sheet i need to start working on that I don't know what I'm doing here. dude trust me i will help you oh. <laughs> i love talking dnd i'm all about I love it. it i love it that's gonna be one hell of a one hell of a one shot all right scott this is the final wrap up our last two closing questions uh we always like to ask people why do you do this aka michael why do you fucking hate yourself? <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Um, no, I I mean, bartending was so fun, and it still is fun, even though I'm not current. That's not my main hustle right now. Yeah. It, it, 
it tr shows you so much of yourself and what you can do under pressure, I think. And it's it's just exciting. It's just so fun, especially when you have a good crew behind the bar. You have a yeah. lot of fun. You meet all these interesting people. And it's not high stakes. It's, it's stressful, for sure. But, okay, the worst thing, you get somebody's drink wrong. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, it's not the super live or die kind of thing, even though not trying to undermine the stress or anxiety that comes with it because there, there is some, obviously, more than some. But just, it's a good time. At the end of the day, it's a fun time with your friends. Yeah. yeah. The, those stakes and when you have a great crew, there is, and you're on and you're performing, my God, man, it's just, a, it's, it's like a bolt of energy that you can feel like coursing through you it's incredible so oh, you're you're the life of the party man you're keeping that libation flowing so that's right exactly um all right final question mike hit him with it oh is this the what what kind of bar they would open yeah all right so i'm sorry <laughs> have I'm, you ever done so this show before? I, this is the first time i've had like this is the first time i've had like a real drink in just about two months so i got you <laughs> so scott if you opened a bar, what would you call it? Or what would the theme be? Oh, that's a good question. I would call it. Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, I didn't think about it's this. It's all right. I know this is the notes. You don't necessarily I... have the name, but I know you have the, the general vibe of what kind of bar you would want to have. Oh, I definitely want a, like, a more casual lounge, for sure, with the classy cocktail options. But that's not necessarily what you have to have. It's a more relaxing, chill environment that doesn't have the, the added stress of a restaurant, you know, that doesn't have food, doesn't even have tapas or anything like that, because you're nice. just here to chill and drink and have a nice time. Uh, you know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing some books on shelves. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some D&D maybe some &D stuff sitting Ooh, out somewhere uh, uh, for honestly, somebody to check out. No, now, now that you're saying it's going to be a game bar. Of course it has there, to be a game bar. It has go. to be a game there bar. There we go. I would go there. <laughs> it sounds like a great time. Yeah, that would be the best. That would be the best. I didn't think about it. Now, one uh, question is, would you have I Scrabble there? I got the name, there? too. I have the name. <laughs> oh, yeah? I wouldn't have right. Scrabble. Absolutely not. But Steve, oh, come on. <laughs> fuck you, Steve. No, no Scrabble. On. You'd have to bring your own right. Scrabble. You can play it, but you have to bring it. <laughs> I, will. You can, I will. B Y O S. Bring your own Scrabble, bro. Yeah, B Y O S. Um, all right. Remind me how to pronounce your last name. Oh, Haupt. Haupt. Yeah, the Haupadashery. <laughs> I love or, it. Or, I love or it. the or the the Haupt that that. Oh, that's not bad. That's, that's not pretty bad. good too. All right, um, Scott. Thank you, my friend. It's no. great. You know, we told. The, these uh, sessions are so awesome because, again, I kind of said the same thing to John. It is the introduction to a new friend, at, but it's such a tease, right? We got to hang out for this last couple of hours, but I know that so much more is coming. Can't wait to come on The Bartenders. Can't wait to see you in action in person uh, in the near future down in St. Augustine um, and get a little insight into your bar world. You can give us a little tour and, and some of the inside scoop of the best places to go. Um, thank you for being on the show, my friend. Thank you. It was absolutely a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. You, yes. you crushed the gauntlet, man. Well done. You absolutely <laughs> did. And uh, yeah, crit critical role, man. Nat, nat 20 is all oh, around. Oh, yeah. Nat 20 is all around. I love it. <laughs> right. If your feet are bleeding, make sure you wear socks. And as always, fuck off. <laughs>
Big shout out, as always, to our friends over at Trauma Parlor, whose song Fast One you heard throughout the show and are listening to right now. Go check them out on Facebook and Spotify and show them some fucking love. Damn straight. And if you want to be one of our regulars, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at BRP Drink Along. You can listen along on Google Pod, Apple Pod, YouTube, and Spotify at the Bartender Rant Podcast. Please uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Please, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, this is the best way to help us grow the show and reach new listeners. Preach. The more ratings and reviews, the faster we climb up the charts. And plus, it really, really helps uh, with our self-esteem, and we need the personal validation. Absolutely. I mean, if, you, if you're still listening, you know that. So please, you know, tickle our balls a little bit. Just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. And don't forget, if you're on Spotify, please be sure to check out the BRP playlist. All right, on our Spotify profile, the Bartender Rent Podcast profile. Not our podcast, but our actual profile. We've got some really cool playlists on there for you. Right now, we got the BRP Beach Bar banging out there. I mean, it's summertime. If you're at the beach, check it out. It's got some really cool fucking tunes on it. If you don't like it, you probably have a bad taste of music. But, you know, we've, yeah, also got the the, <laughs> we've also got the BRP Industry Night playlist, which are all songs chosen by every single guest that comes on the show. So please check it out if you're on Spotify. Yeah, and if you're wondering why you keep getting rickrolled, get mad at our guests who are not following up on, on our requests for their songs for the playlist. It's their <laughs> fault. Um, do you want some kick-ass show merch? Of course I you do. do. I do. Of course you I do. I do. Anybody <laughs> want a mustache? Right? Um, check out all of our amazing swag courtesy of Campo Design Co. at prodigydtg.com backslash bartender rant. And if you just want to hang out with Mike and me, um, shoot the shit. You can join us the first Monday of every month for our virtual industry night happy hour. We can have some drinks. We'll meet some fellow barflies, and we'll listen to the awesome guest bartender playlist. And plus, you can tell Mike and I how much we suck at podcasting. So it's a ton of fun. Please hop on there. We didn't do the most recent one because 4th of July, um, but we have one coming up at the beginning of August. Really excited to be hanging out with you guys again. Yeah, Make sure please. you follow us on social for all of the links to those video chats we will have them post yeah and if you want to be one of our vip listeners please subscribe to the bartender and podcast on patreon vips are always going to have a seat at our bar you're going to get access to our bonus content like the boilermaker tapes ranch versus blue cheese crank calls special releases and so much more right steve damn straight and if you want to be a big tipper AKA one of our Bozells. Feel free to leave a tip on PayPal under the Bartender Rant Podcast at gmail.com. If you do, we will list you as one of our wonderful executive producers and shout out your name and your drink of choice right here. Yeah, this is where we do it. Like John with his delicious Bloody Mary, but he likes to put the Old Bay around the rim and he likes to muddle those olives in there. And thank you so much, John, for supporting us. We really what appreciate it. What a guy. What a guy. What a guy um, he is. A thousand dollars. Can you believe that? Can you believe he donated <laughs> that much? What a guy. What He's a got guy. a huge penis. Mike and I do this because we love the industry and we want to bring you great content. But this is not our day job. With your help, we can keep the stories coming and interview local bartenders from coast to coast. And as always, don't just listen along. Drink along. If you or someone you know is struggling with alcoholism or substance abuse, please contact SAMHSA's National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Their National Helpline is free, confidential, 24-7, and 365 days a year. 
Look, we love you guys. We really appreciate listening along. But more than anything, we want you to stick around. And you can't do that if you're not taking care of yourself. So if you do need some help, please reach out to the International Helpline. If you're an international listener, please just get online and find a helpline or a help center near you. And as always, Steve and I are happy to talk to anyone. If you, if you need just somebody to, to talk to or vent to, we're happy to be there for you. We can't offer you any professional help, but we really do appreciate you guys being a part of this podcast, and we want you to stick around, and Steve and I are happy to help in any way that we can to make sure that that happens. So thanks again, guys. We love you, and we'll see you on the next episode. Steve actually played in the campaign as Whole Hung the Half. Oh, I heard his dick was the size of his like. Leg. No, he says that that is not what happened in the game. Okay, no, he he didn't get to have a giant dick and swing around from buildings with it. That didn't. That's what he wanted to do, but that is not what happened. Right. He will not destroy the integrity of my fucking D and D sessions with that kind of bullshit. All right, we ready to keep going? Yeah, we're yep. just talking about your hung half. Halfling, right? Yeah. yeah Whole hung, hung the halfling. Whole hung the halfling. Who is still alive in our universe. I love yeah, that. I love him. All right. Um, I'll bring us back in. Give us a little bit of dead air. Hey, how many... Are you, like, chain-smoking joints right now? <laughs> they're uh, they're uh, cigars. Okay. Or cigarillos? Okay. Yeah, I was they're, like, they're, they're miniature cigars. Sorry, I thought you were just banging. Just smoking blunt after blunt. I just thought you were just banging through, like, just little blunt after blunt. I was like, damn, man. Like, you are – talk about an overcorrection. I mean, I know you, you're trying to get rid of cigarettes, but that's not really the overcorrection. You know we're doing a podcast right now, right? Hey, so, uh, do I seem that stone? Come on. All right. All right. Here we go.